Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the Spotlight. I'm Jeremy Lambert. That is Steven Jensen. Shout out to Big Dick MLJ for the intro. As always, it is Thursday. It is August 3rd. It is a busy week in the world of professional wrestling. Jensen, how you doing, buddy? Doing all right. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Does it sound all right? Sorry if I look a little... I don't know if I look a little foggy. My camera's been really weird the last couple of days. I'm going to have to... Finally get myself a new camera after all these years. But as long as y'all can hear me and see me, or uh, hear me and uh, see me, like, all right, that, that's good. Um, I'm I'm good, dude. We had a we had a good show today. I'm uh, super, super busy with overtime and the shoot job. So I am completely exhausted at the moment. But I am very happy to talk about anything other than my shoot job and uh, talk some professional wrestling today with you this morning. Um, so, yeah, I'm good. How about you, man? Your camera is foggy because of all the the clouds and the the smoke from the Cody Rhodes pyro that goes huh. off in that house when you walk into that room. I I assume, anyway, I assume every time you walk into the room, it is just complete Cody Rhodes pyro everywhere. Am I wrong? Not necessarily uh, inaccurate about that. Um, the house the household does get pretty lit whenever whenever the roller coaster arrives. But um, yeah, I've done everything I can about this camera. It might be getting a little bit better. I hope maybe I'm maybe I'm being making too much of this. It's just it's been the last couple of days. It does okay. The last couple yeah. of days I've been like it. 
what had wound up happening, full transparency, I was on a podcast the other day and I was wearing a yellow shirt. And for whatever reason, my camera focused, it got out of focus because of the yellow when I showed it. And it never, oh. and it never refocused. I've tried a thousand things even before this. Um, anyways, don't want to focus on all that. That's, you know, What's more important is that y'all can hear me anyways, but as long as, you know, I, I think the camera is starting to get a little bit, I've been, I've been, I've been doing my best to, to fix it anyways. Um, yeah. Today's episode, by the way, y'all is sponsored by WrestleRumble.com. So make sure, I don't know if you have the graphics available. I do. As awesome. I was going to, there we go. Bang. Perfect. So today's episode, thank you very much as always to WrestleRumble.com. They have sponsored another episode of the spotlight. And this week we have the SummerSlam Pick'em Contest. Top prize is $1,000 cash. Second and third place are both going to get mystery prizes. And all you got to do uh, to potentially get a free entry today, if you just put the word Wrestle Rumble in the chat, just type Wrestle Rumble in the chat. We'll pick three people off of a random list at the end of the episode. So you have like a couple hours to get these in, about an hour and a half to get these in. At the end of the episode, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll, uh, we'll randomly pick three names and you will all get free entries into the three of y'all will get free entries into the pick'em contest to potentially win a thousand dollars and, or uh, some mystery prizes. So thank you as always to WrestleRumble.com for being a part of the show. And the way that wrestle rumble works for those of you who may not know, is basically fantasy pick'em contest for, um, for professional wrestling. So there's going to be a whole list of questions uh, that range from, you know, winners and losers to, you know, match lengths to certain things happening during matches, maybe run-ins, maybe tables breaking, you know, whole bunch of intangibles. Um, and it's a lot of fun, a lot of prop picks, winner, winners, losers, like I said. And the prizes are very real. Um, I've been doing these contests for years. I've only won one contest before. I won the NXT TakeOver contest for New Orleans the year that uh, Gargano and Champa main evented. I was there live at the show as, as well, which was a double whammy. I won and I was there live. And... They nailed me within about two or three days. I had this NXT championship belt at my door. So um, Wrestle Rumble is where it's at. The prizes are real. The money's real. The people are cool as hell over there. So thank you to, uh, to Wrestle Rumble for being part of the show. And we'll remind you all a couple of times because we'll do SummerSlam predictions during this and give you another heads up. But, um, you know, just put the words Wrestle Rumble in the chat. We'll put your name on a list at the end of the show and we'll pick three names off that list. There you go. Yes. Shout out to always as that shout out as always to Wrestle Wrestle Rumble. You think you think I uh, don't do this every day? Um, shout out to Wrestle Rumble for sponsoring another another episode. They've been very great to us, but basically all year sponsoring us, uh, heading into all the the big shows of the weekend. So we will get to SummerSlam, but just leave a Wrestle Rumble in the chat. We already got a, a lot of entries here. Um, Sports Entertainment Rumble over Wrestle Rumble says so says Louie. Like leave an actual Wrestle Rumble in the chat if you want to be entered. Okay, everybody, yeah. don't don't uh, <laughs> trick me with your with your chats of mortar and pestle rumble, Shy Town Spurs. Just leave a real Wrestle Rumble. Yes. Tired of you people. You people. Sports in entertainers. Hey, and also <clears throat> JK Schwall mentions um they're doing a belt rap also, which they are. Um they're doing uh they're they're basically for one dollar you can go on there also and they may give away some of these for free too. I know sometimes like when I give away free entries on this show or through Twitter, Matt from Wrestle Rumble, without y'all even knowing, a lot of the times he throws your names into these one dollar entries also. So um <clears throat> the first place prize for that is gonna well basically just to pick three random winners for for the belt raffle. 
Uh, someone's going to win the new WWE World Heavyweight Championship, the belt that uh, Seth Rollins currently carries. Someone's going to win the old school John Cena style spinner WWE Championship. And someone's going to win the WWE Undisputed Championship, the like 2002. I, the, the title I always, I always kind of in my head have like Brock Lesnar holding. But that was, you know, the, the you know, Brock Lesnar trip. Well, Triple H never held it, right? Because he had the two titles. I so. Yeah. so I think Brock was the first guy to hold that undisputed title, if I remember correctly. Um, but anyway, I remember guys like Undertaker and Angle and those kind of guys like all fighting for it at that time. And anyway, it's a great title belt. So, so you can win those as well over at WrestleRumble.com. So check that out. It's literally only $1. Um, J.K. Schwall said he won the Winged Eagle raffle just for a dollar. Yeah, we've had, we've had a lot of friends win those. I mean, our friend Cher has won probably double digits amount of belts. Ultimo Dragon of, of this <laughs> Wrestle Rumble random drawing shit. Yeah, it's wild. Because sometimes Wrestle Rumble, they go crazy with it sometimes. And they'll give away like five belts or more to one person sometimes. Like they'll just get a ton of legit replica. I say legit replica. The really nice replica title belts. Um, and like I remember Cher won like, she won pro- she won one that was like, Two two tag title belts, uh, an intercontinental belt, like three or four world title belts, or something, all at one time. So, like, yeah, the, I can't speak enough good things about Wrestle Rumble. They're they're awesome, and I was doing their contests before they were ever involved with like my personal podcast, and then of course before Spotlight ever existed. And it's just really cool that um, you know that those those guys want to be a part of what we're doing because I I I'd be doing their contests whether they sponsored or not because it keeps me super invested in the PLEs for WWE, like it. It's a whole other level of interest when you know you might win a thousand dollars and you're going like match by match and you start realizing like I got a shot at this like this dude went through a table this person I thought was going to interfere interfered this person I thought was going to win just one oh my gosh I'm going to win a thousand dollars tonight and this is a great show so you know shout out Russell Rumble Cody Willis sends a super chat says good morning pals happy SummerSlam weekend say it with me Jason yeah nah come on um, come on. <laughs> So listen, we do have a great weekend coming up. We all in one day, dude. Um, and on a personal note, I'm going to see the Ninja Turtles movie on Saturday afternoon in Dolby. I've got the uh, got tickets already for that. And by the way, Jeremy, I'm very salty about this. This is off topic. I'm not going to take time to talk about this. But there's a movie that's currently out in theaters right now. It's called The First Slam Dunk. It's like a Japanese anime basketball movie. And it looks awesome. And I bought pre-order tickets to that like three weeks before it even came out and i have like the a-list pass or whatever for amc where i can see three movies a week i've already like prepaid for everything so like i was i was gonna see it and then they canceled almost all the showings of the movie the day before it came out and they're all just like afternoon random showings now while i'm working so i can't see the damn movie in theaters pisses me off anyways i'm gonna see ninja turtles on saturday and then saturday night we have SummerSlam, aw collision with cm punk putting up the real world title which we'll talk about we have um, UFC in Nashville, Corey Sanhagen versus Rob Font. And we have Diaz and Paul. That's the only thing I Diaz and Paul. That was the last. I was like, I know there's a big one that I'm missing. <laughs> Nate Diaz and Jake Paul, which is wild because I'm assuming that Logan is going to open SummerSlam against Ricochet. He said, he said this a few weeks ago. I, I've seen people report this. Logan Paul literally said on his podcast he requested to open SummerSlam so he could do the match against Ricochet, fly to Dallas to be there in time to corner Jake Paul. This is not if if you see this reported out there, 
literally Logan Paul said it himself that this was his plan and his request. Gotcha. This is really more of me in my own head being like, I'd assume he was planning on being at the fight. So no, I figured, yeah, but, but yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. There you go. Caden, Caden in the chat. Yeah. 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 Um, look at this. Look at all, look at all the super chats are getting. Yeah. 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 I, what, I love the LA night. If you want to support the show, if you want to support the show, you send a super chat with, yeah, I'll blurt out. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't know. You ever seen Ninja Turtles too? Do you recognize this T-shirt? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's I just been, got. It's been a minute since I've seen it, but uh, I know the the wife loves Ninja Turtles too. Dude, and Secret of the Ooze, one of my favorite movies ever. The the Kino action figure just came in yesterday. It's like an exclusive. I just got it in the mail, and it came with like a T-shirt and like uh, a bunch of stuff. Anyways, I'm getting all I'm getting all hyped for the Ninja Turtles this weekend. I'm excited to see it. We got another super chat. Thank you, Shytown yes. Spurs. Spurs says, sending solidarity to Steven for his LA night hatred. Oh. I don't watch much WWE, but the two shows I've been to since he got hot, his fans have been the worst people at the show. And he oh. said these are non-WWE uh, shows that he, he's been to. I should clarify, these were non-WWE shows. Okay. Well, that, 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 that's a to me. Yeah. To me, all that says is LA night's popularity has gone past WWE and now his fans are showing up elsewhere. So I don't understand why this is a bad thing. Why is sure. this a bad thing? Um, and I'm not gonna like harp on LA. I think people are, are tired of me doing that, honestly, for the most part. And I and I and I totally get it. Like I don't want to be the guy who just comes up here and says the same thing over and over and over every week. Y'all know y'all y'all know where my head's at. And I, I I think I was actually really fair last week too, because we got like both sides out there, and I've told you reasons and ways that I could become a fan of his. I'm not just sitting here just hating on the guy. I'm providing solutions that could fix this for me as well um but that all said uh thank you very much for the super chat shy town spurs uh you know i don't know how much we'll talk about him really today because i'd imagine he'll be in that battle royal at SummerSlam. he'll probably win it though i mean like it seems like the whole thing is probably set up for him so like i mean uh he won't I'm, win. i mean i won't be i won't be choosing him as my prediction i can't i can't i mean i can't i can't bring myself to do that but um i i you know but anyway, it's interesting to see. And I'll be at a non-WWE show in a couple weeks. I'll be at, um, well, I just found out it'll be Dynamite and Collision in Atlanta, which is awesome. So I'll be That's at both be, those. Yeah, and big show. I'm already set up, dude. I got a hotel already already booked that's pretty much in the venue. It's, it's basically in the parking lot of the, uh, the venue for the show. There's a Dave & Buster's on the same street, and I'm off work all week. So... Going down there early, going to hit Dave and Buster's, going to go over to probably link up with Caden if he's there. As a matter of fact, we talked about that a little That's bit. That's unfortunate. Caden's good people, man. Come on. Um, And then, uh, and then yeah, go to the show. And then I don't care how long the show goes. I'll watch Collision. I'll watch Ring of Honor and Dynamite and anything they want to tape. Cody Willis, LA. Now, yeah, there you go. All right, let's move into the topics. We're kind of already in the topics. I don't know if you want to like officially start with WWE. It's we're already kind of talking. We about can it. do that. Let's let's hit the bumper. Here we go. I need to finish the story. In the WWE, the story never finishes. WWE SummerSlam this weekend. It is either the second or third biggest show, depending on your love for the Royal Rumble. Um, for me, no, the Rumble I is the honestly my top i mean wrestlemania i i if wrestlemania is wrestlemania it's almost like its yeah. own thing but for me for me i'm one of those rumble people that like i look so am i yeah 
I'm I'm a Rumble person as well, but you know the Rumble is such a such a staple because of the Rumble match. SummerSlam is something that like really kind of stands on its own as the second biggest show. So I, I and I've heard That's people fair. say SummerSlam is the second biggest show. So SummerSlam is this weekend. Reminder, guys, put a Wrestle Rumble in the chat, and you can be entered into the drawing to get a free entry into the SummerSlam Pick'em for Wrestle Rumble, headlined by headlined by tribal combat between Jey Uso and Roman Reigns. We have Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes on the card as well. I know you're looking forward to that and the ass-kicking Brock Lesnar is going to give Cody Rhodes in that match. We have Seth Rollins, Finn Balor for the WWE World Heavyweight title. We have an MMA rules match between Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. Asuka, Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, triple threat for the women's title. Logan Paul, Ricochet, Gunther, Drew McIntyre for the Intercontinental title, and the Slim Jim Battle Royal, which right now only LA Knight and Sheamus are the two confirmed entries. Jensen, what stands out to you? What are you most excited for? And give give a prediction or two. So Slim Jim Battle Royal, my prediction is they should do a hologram Randy Savage and have him win it. Um, I'm actually for that. I actually <laughs> love that idea. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, MMA rules Basil and, Ron- and Ronda. That's interesting. Um, I the whole Raw Underground thing was like very goofy. Um, but they've done really good with fight pit matches in the company. Do you think they should have an actual shoot fight? Like they're both legit UFC fighters. Yeah. Do you okay. think they should have a legit shoot fight? I mean, obviously they're not doing that, but like, yes, like that would actually be way more entertaining. <laughs> now that said, Ronda was a way better fighter than Shayna was, if I'm being completely yeah. honest. But it, but it's been but it's been a long it's been a long time. I mean, who knows? Um, and I think that there's a good chance Shayna wins because I don't know how much longer Ronda's going to be around and. If Ronda's gonna like put anyone over, she would obviously handpick Shayna to do that. So like I'm kind of I'm thinking maybe Shayna taps her out. But my prediction for that is like if Ronda's gonna stick around in the WWE for longer, then Ronda's gonna win. But if she's on her way out or gonna be more part time or take a break or something, I think you know it would make a little more sense obviously for Shayna to win. Shayna should win with a flying knee, just open it up, Masvidal Askren style, just running flying knee knockout you see Derek lewis do that this past time oh yeah he had a v trigger and then he's pulling out his pants because his balls is hot and he's doing crotch chops oh yeah Derek lewis is the man that reminded me of i don't know if anyone in the chat's familiar with the trailer park boys but there was a character randy who before he would fight people he'd take his pants off because it would like limit his like mobility so he'd always take his pants off fight people in his underwear um and then uh we got uh intercontinental title i think drew mcintyre is a great they need to figure out more to do with Drew just in general. He's like legitimately one of the best people that they have overall in the company, in my opinion. But um, I wouldn't stop this with Gunther. I would have him continue to retain unless they feel like it's time for him to move to the world title scene. And I could see him maybe dropping it to, to McIntyre. But um, <clears throat> I personally would keep riding with Gunther as intercontinental champion until, until at least Roman loses his title. Um, you know, that'd be me personally. Um, I think that's gonna be a really, really good match, though. Like one on one, that that might be the best one on one match on the entire show, actually. Like depending on how how they book that. Um, yeah, kind of with you. Uh, we have, uh, yeah, like you said, Ricochet and Logan Paul. That'll be a spectacle. That'll be really fun, and I have total confidence Logan's gonna kill it again. Like they'll they'll take this very seriously. They'll come up with really cool spots, and I think Logan will win that one. But it'd be big for Ricochet. Like it's it's just good. It's good for Ricochet to just be involved in anything that's like that matters. 
and is even bigger than wrestling because Logan with the mainstream attention and stuff like I'm happy that Ricochet has got the spot and they've been brewing this since they did that spot where they did like the, the double springboard clotheslines to each other and everything. So this is, this has been in, in the works for a minute. I'll take Logan there. Um, <clears throat> Oscar, Charlotte and Bianca, I think it's going to be a fantastic match. All three women are great. Uh, three of the best wrestlers in the WWE, in my opinion, all three of these, um, I always pick Charlotte on pay-per-view. It doesn't really matter who she's wrestling. So I'm, I'm going to take Charlotte to win here. I know people get butthurt about it. She's always the champion. She's always in the title mix, blah, blah. That's literally the gimmick. Like, that's literally what Charlotte Flair is. Is like, She's supposed to be the champion. or supposed to be going for the title and racking up title reigns. And that that's the, that's the gimmick. And luckily for us and for her and me as a fan, she's a fantastic performer. I don't understand the Charlotte hate. I think she's great. I, I get that people might be kind of sick of her. And I also, I don't watch WWE's weekly shows, really. I pretty much just watch the PLEs and some clips here and there. So I don't have the overexposure either to most of these performers that most people do. So I'm, I ha- I've seen it through kind of a different lens than most people who are burned out by stuff, to be fair. Um, but that said, I'm going to take Charlotte. Um, Brock and Cody, no no question Cody Rhodes wins that. He's going to beat the hell out of Brock Lesnar. It's going to be non-competitive, just ass whooping. I would actually, I would have Cody tap Brock. I don't know what. I don't know if this is me or Jensen. And now if I'm just staring, okay. Oh, I don't know what just happened. That was so weird. Can you was that me? you? Usually it's my internet. So yeah, no, I don't know what just <laughs> okay. happened. I was like, still, I was, I was a black screen for a second, but anyway, sorry. Oh. I don't know what's happening. I, I, my, do my internet connection? You, great. my camera upset. You yeah. upset the gods by saying that Cody should tap Brock. That's what happened there. Yes. If I fall off, I'll make sure to jump back in. It's been, dude. It's so weird sometimes. Like I checked. I'm I'm hardwired into my internet. Like the connection's great. My camera. I triple checked. Looked okay before I. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, maybe Cody, don't make dumb predictions. No, I think I think then... Cody. I know it happens every time. It's like I'll talk trash about somebody that my internet will cut off. Um. I uh I think Cody should tap Rock though. I think that would be like an definitive because Cody should keep talking about. See, that's not Jensen's internet. I just removed him from the chat. I removed him from the screen right there. <laughs> so Cody should tap Brock. Um, and he's been talking about fighting him, not wrestling him all this time. Cody already beat him in a wrestling match. Right? The first time they wrestled, Cody pinned him. One, two, three, shoulders to the mat with a wrestling hold. While while Brock wouldn't let go of Kimura, and that's an amateur mistake, by the way, in mixed martial arts to not let go to no, not let go of a hold and give up position. Um, Brock Lesnar, former UFC heavyweight champion, should know better than that. Um, but but Brock, so Cody's already pinned Brock, right? And then ever since then, Brock's been beating the hell out of him pretty much. And I feel like to definitively win this feud, Cody needs to make Brock tap, not make him pass out, not just sneak away with a little pin. He needs to make Brock Lesnar tap the mat with what mid. what does he tap him out with cody used to use this uh like reverse it was like an inverted figure four i can't remember what he called it he used it for a little while like on the indies and maybe in new japan um i think maybe he should bring that back or he can come up with a new submission hold i don't really care what he uses like i and and it, i know it's wishful thinking but i just i'm just trying to think like what's the most definitive way cody can win that continues to set him up to be in line to wrestle roman for the title at mania 40 so I think he's going to tap Brock. That's my prediction. Um, and hopefully that's what happens. And I hope it's on Russell, Rum- Russell Rumble. Because if I choose that and no one else does, there's a good chance I can win $1,000. Um, 
Also, real quick, I'll say um, I think for Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, I'll let you go down the list, by the way, after this. Like, you can, uh, you know, um, I just want to like rapid fire all the predictions. Um, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins. My, my gut's telling me that Rollins will retain, but I think the story is way more interesting if Finn wins because he'd have the world title, we would have the women's title, Dom has the North American NXT title, and Damien would have the briefcase, and you'd have a whole, like, will he or won't he cash in against uh, Finn type of thing. So personally, I hope that they put the title on Finn Balor, but I think that they're going to uh, keep it on Seth. And then I have no doubt in my mind that Roman Reigns is going to retain the undisputed WWE Universal title over Jey Uso. Don't know how it's going to happen. I'm sure there's going to be stories and the match is going to be really long and they'll be talking to each other for most of it. It'll be a lot of cinema or whatever people like to say. But um, listen, I'll say this. Outside of Cody Rhodes, Jey Uso makes the most sense to beat Roman. I will I will admit that. If Cody isn't going to be the guy, it should be Jey based on the story they've built over all these years. But it shouldn't be Jay. It should be Cody. So I'm going to take, um, I'm going to take Roman. So those are all my predictions for SummerSlam. Cody's not tapping Brock, but uh, Caden says Anaconda Vice. Eh, I'm mad at that. I, I think that's a, that's a weak ass pro wrestling submission hold, by the way. I mean, <laughs> the, the reason being, cause you're already pinning your opponent. You might as well just pin oh, you know what? I'm not even, I'm not even thinking. I was like Anaconda Vice. You know what? I thought the Anaconda Vice was as, as in my head uh, was, not a guillotine choke. What's the choke where it's like the arm in and they got him like hooked? The Darsh? You... Yeah, Darsh choke. Yeah, yeah, Darsh choke. That's what that's, I was thinking. That's in a my nice head submission. Yeah. yeah, that's why I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not mad at like that. No, and a kind of vice. No, that's that, that's the CM Punk. Yeah, that's the yeah. CM Punk thing. Yeah, I was thinking arm triangle as well as like a good submission. To but see, that might once again, you might as well just pin someone if you're gonna put him in arm triangle. And and you know what I mean? Like any any submission hold where your opponent's shoulders are already on the mat in a pro wrestling match is a dumb submission hold to do, in my opinion. Unless you're just gonna pin him. Like you just like you know, put him in a head and arm triangle and just hold him down for three seconds, then sure. Yeah, but they can get the, the shoulder up. They can get the shoulder up on that though. One, two, shoulder up, but then like he can't keep. Then he go, he eventually taps out. See, I like I like that idea though, Jeremy. Like if you're tr- if you're making it clear you're trying to pin them, and like the referee is down on the mat, and like they're prepared to make the count, and like the guy might be squirming around trying to keep his shoulder off the mat, and yeah. as that's happening, you're cinching the choke in, and they eventually tap or pass out to that. That that actually makes perfect sense. My thing is more like. CM Punk puts someone in an anaconda vice. Their their shoulders are pretty much on the mat. He's holding them there on the ground. The referee's like waiting for the tap. Like they should be counting a pinfall. Anyways, that's that is nitpicking to the highest degree. And I'm also just hating because it's a CM Punk submission hold. Like it just is what it is. I but I yeah I I don't know what the best submission hold for Cody to do would be. Um, but my thought would be it would probably be like the the inverted figure four thing is a cool submission, but I don't see Brock tapping to like a leg lock even though he did in the ufc to frank mir i get that but i think for like the wwe it would have to be like a choke hold or like he'd have to really seriously work a body part or you know what i mean it had to be something to where they'd have the excuse that brock only tapped out of survival because for all i can't i don't know for sure someone in the chat could probably uh know and you might know jeremy the only i can only remember brock tapping out to kurt angle ankle locks ever like i can't remember him tapping out to anyone else ever in his career um, did he tap to Undertaker's triangle? I don't think he tapped. He might have tapped. That was, was that the weird match where he like the Undertaker like low blowed him after like he did the fake tap or whatever? Yeah, and then, like, yeah Louis says, 
the go go, the go, go plata. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Undertaker Hell's Undertaker Gate. would use like a go go plot. Yeah, Hell's Gate yeah. triangle, which I, it, one of the two, depending on how how his legs were working. Right. That day. It was mainly um, he, the idea was a go go plata though. That was yeah. that that was. Um, he may have. I don't know if he tapped or he passed out to that. But either way, I mean, it's very rare to have Brock lose by submission in any way. But like, I remember, like, I, I, at least, I, at least in my own mind, I remember him tapping out to an ankle lock in like the early two thousands, and that's maybe just burned into my brain so much because I just don't remember seeing him do it again outside of the UFC. Like when Mir, when Mir caught him there in his UFC debut, obviously he tapped to that. But that's you know, anyone would. That was a that's a, that's a real fight against some, some guy who's going to break your leg if you don't tap out um anyways what if they do so we talked about it last week um and then the wife and i watched this match orton and, and brock from from SummerSlam. uh what if they do a finish like that where he just beats him so bad that brock brock lesnar of all people cannot continue see i love that and that's like why you know i was kind of pitching the fight pit idea up up until now because i i just that's my whole mindset with this match with brock is they've just highlighted so strongly that Cody doesn't want to wrestle him. He wants to fight him week after week. He's coming out, he's coming out in his wrestling trunks instead of street gear. Cause he's expecting Brock to come out and he's ready to fight him. You know, like, so what better way to definitively beat somebody than to force them to tap out. So, um, or, or to just to beat them to the point where the referee has to stop the fight, which it would be another, the way, see, the thing is we're talking about Brock Lesnar also, and I have, a ton of a ton of respect for Brock. I've made that really clear in like you know past episodes. Um, and so, and WWE has a certain respect for him. Vince and everybody involved has a certain respect for him to where like he's just not. I just don't see him just come out and just a straight up losing. Like I mean, he might. It just really depends on how they see Cody. Like, are they okay? Are they finally okay with somebody just straight up just him as a WrestleMania down? main event loser? Yeah, but are they going to let him run it back this year? And if they are, like, they need to. There has to be a reason for the, like, because the because the flip side, which I don't want to keep harping on, is all this should have just been for the title. This should just be Cody Rhodes as the champion in this feud with Brock. This should just be his first title feud, and like every and the world would be would make sense, you know. But, um, but yeah, that that's just that's where I'm at. I think I think Cody needs to definitively beat Brock, whether it's a pin, submission, ref stoppage, whatever it winds up ultimately being. I'm sure it'll be something that kind of somewhat at least protects Brock, um. And they position this to be more important than the world title on Raw. I mean, this is, they're basically making this like whoever wins this is probably next for Roman. And because the other thing is, dude, I didn't realize until the other day that Roman hasn't defended the title since WrestleMania. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, because everyone sucks. This dude won that main event over Cody. It's been four months and the dude hasn't defended, like, the Cody should have been defending the title this whole time. Like, what in the world? Oh, that's frustrating. That's so frustrating. When Just was the last time Francis Naganu defended the heavyweight title? Not even the UFC anymore. Because there's no challengers for him. Just oh. like just like Roman Reigns. That's there's no challengers happened. for him. That's not what happened. That's such oh my gosh. Anyway. Francis Naganu. Yeah. No, left because of money. And Ganu didn't leave because of challenger. Now, granted, when was the last also... time John Jones defended the heavyweight title? He was dude. He was. <laughs> When was the last time he defended the title? He's, he's booked against Stipe. and okay, yeah, and that's the UFC, and they're not expected to. Dude, that's how Roman you is know, treated. You know, UFC. you know, you know, your money right fights now. only. You he ain't just coming out short. here on Fight Night 
to defend oh. this title. You want a match with the tribal chief, you got to earn that and you got to make it worth his while. He ain't showing up on ESPN Plus to defend this title. Okay. I know you I I I know what you're doing, Jeremy. But listen, I will say like on the the, was it first take that they were on the other day? Yeah. Um, yeah. I liked that appearance. I thought it was kind of polarizing. I, I honestly liked it. I, I I liked Paul Heyman being like the public, you know, cheerleader for Roman Reigns, like in situations like that. You know, I and Roman could just sit back and he literally said, you know, he's like, yo, I I let him say all this. I don't like to talk about myself. I let him do it for me. You know, like he Roman came off super cool. You'd believe everything Heyman said if you didn't watch the WWE and you and you only saw that ESPN thing and you saw Roman sitting there with three title belts. And this dude's talking about how this guy's a bigger draw than everyone before him. He's like bigger than Hulk Hogan. He's bigger than everybody. And he's, you know, he's the main box office attraction ever for WWE. And even Stephen A. Smith is sitting there. Like can't even dispute it. You know, Stephen A. Who loves debating people was sitting there going, huh? Yeah. I can't really. Roman Reigns yeah, is the way, it would be so much better if Cody was there with his suit crying about how this WWE title means so much to him and how he finished the story and his documentary and his dad and all of this fun stuff. Okay. That would have been so much better, right? Yeah. Okay, so do you want to talk about the documentary? Do you want to just go ahead and lead into that? I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen it? No. Okay, it's a fantastic documentary. It's two hours long. Um, a, a quick shout out. Um. It was really cool because, as everyone knows, you know, me and Cody were on the same high school wrestling team. I talk about all the time. But it was really cool because our our wrestling coach was in the documentary a handful of times, Steve Day. And he's a guy who doesn't get enough, like, credit for kind of, like, who he is. Um, so I want to – just for this platform, I wanted to put out some some love for Steve Day real quick because this guy, Coach Day – I hated this man when I wrestled for him. He was the toughest, strictest, put us through hell for four years as wrestlers. I mean, just, and I was more or less terrified of the guy for like four years. Like he was super intimidating. He used to have a mustache. Look, the guy looked exactly like Dan Severn. I mean, and he was an actual fighter, actual Olympic wrestler, legitimate, just badass. And, but Years later, like afterwards, especially nowadays, I look back at what he was doing for us and I'm like, I really respect it. Like the, the, the work ethic that I learned because of that guy and, and being on that team and just like just hard work and, and, and being mentally tough and just just so many things. And obviously just the, I was in the best shape I've ever been in my life physically and every I mean, just so I have a lot of respect that for like what Steve day did for me and all the kids he coached for all these, because he was a, he, he may even still be coaching, but he was a coach for like 30 something years. I mean, he was, he did it for a long time and he was a guy who like, I I'm really bad with, with history and in when in years past and stuff, but there was a year, right. Where like the, I, if I remember correctly, there was a year where like the U S didn't compete in the Olympics, like back in like the, this probably was in like the eighties, um, I can't remember, but I remember Steve Day was supposed to be on the Olympic wrestling team and we didn't compete in the Olympics. Something happened where he didn't compete in the Olympics and he went on to do mixed martial arts, work shoot, UFI, UWFI style matches in Japan. As a kid in high school, he used to tell us these were shoot fights. I now have realized that they were work shoots. I've, I've rewatched some of these in recent years and I'm like, oh, damn, these are this is pro wrestling. This isn't mixed martial arts. Um. I've also come to find out that he was like, he helped, you know, 
uh, I, I knew back in the day, like Steve Day, Glacier, these kind of guys were like the ones training Cody, Dusty, these guys, you know. So Steve Day has a lot. Steve Day means a lot, I think, to Cody's early progression as a wrestler, mainly as an amateur wrestler, but he did help a lot with his pro wrestling career at, at the start. So, and there's all these legends of Steve Day, and even Xavier Woods, who went to a rival high school. They talk about that in the documentary, too. I've heard Xavier Woods talk about things he's heard about our wrestling coach, about how our wrestling coach fought off the Yakuza holding just one credit card in his hand as a weapon. You know, like there's like all these, all these lore stories about Steve day. So I want to give him a shout out on the show today. Cause he's a guy we'll probably never talk about again. A guy who never gets brought up, but he's a guy who like, if you ask certain pro wrestlers, they have a ton of respect for Steve day. Cause a lot of them know about him as an amateur wrestler and he would have been a massive pro wrestler, but he had his knees completely went out. Like, I've heard this guy, it sounds like gunshots going off. I've heard this guy readjust his knees in front of me before where they pop out and he has to pop them back in. It's gnarly. So anyway, shout out to Steve Day. And then the and then and then the actual documentary itself. I mean, once again, two hours long, super emotional journey. Main main story of it is Dusty Rhodes has a title or, you know, held the WWE championship over his head in a picture that Cody saw as a kid. He was confused as a kid, thought his dad was the champion. His dad eventually explained to him, yeah, I won by count out. They didn't really give me the title. I thought I won the title. And this is the only time I've really held this title. And ever since then, Cody's wanted to win that title himself since he was a little kid and presented to Dusty and say, hey, they can't take this away from us now. Like we won. And that's still the story that still is unfinished to this day. And that's so that's the one maddening thing about the documentary. It is this fantastic documentary. You get all this great stuff. His sister Teal throughout it. You get all these clips from, from their family, you know, Dusty talking about Cody, Cody getting really in depth about how depressed he was during the Stardust run and all this stuff. And like you get so much great, you know, great stuff there. And but then at the end of it, it's still like he still loses at the end and WrestleMania. And the story still wasn't finished. So the only, the only thing that I can think of honestly is, and granted it's risky because it's pro wrestling. And I mean, Cody himself went through the injury with his pack and everything. You never know. There's no guarantees in wrestling. Things can change so much, you know, very quickly in wrestling. But I really feel like you don't make this documentary. If you are not planning on putting that title on Cody, because otherwise it is just a depressing it's just depressing. Like if Cody doesn't win this title and you have, you're not selling me on this documentary there, at all. I don't want to watch a depressing documentary. Well, no, no, it's a, it's a great documentary, but the problem is if he never wins the title and you go back and watch it in hindsight, it's going to be depressing because it's like, after all this, he still didn't win the title. Like the, it's all about this one thing and they won't, they just won't give it to him. But I think there's plans to, it's just, we have to wait an extra year for it. But we're like, so dude, we're only like five months out. Something like that. August, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. Sorry, about eight months out. Jeez. Yeah, I I am off. I apologize. (laughs) I I forgot it says the beginning. I just looked down and I saw eight for August. And I forgot, like, we're literally starting August. So we have that whole month, too. Anyways... I thought it was a great documentary. I'd highly recommend checking it out on Peacock. If I wanna, if I wanna watch a documentary about a loser, I'll look in the mirror, Stephen Jensen. I don't need to spend two hours of my life watching this Cody Rhodes documentary. Okay, I'll watch The Last Dance again. At least they win in the end. The Last Dance was a good documentary. I watched that whole thing. It's a lot better than the Cody documentary. You haven't seen the Cody documentary. Um, oh, I know how it goes. 
You just told me everything that I need. Oh my gosh, this man with his Cody Rhodes hat. My other SummerSlam predictions besides I think Brock Lesnar should maul Cody Rhodes mm-hmm. and make him a bloody mess on his way to getting another shot at Roman Reigns because we have not seen that match enough. Uh, I do think Roman defeats Jay. I would not be mad if Jay wins. I don't think there's any shot Jay wins. I do think that Roman's probably holding this title until WrestleMania 40. Uh, but And they do this every time. And I kind of got to give them credit for it. Like, look at this year alone. Just over the past like year, calendar year, like people were sold on Drew McIntyre winning. People were sold on Sami Zayn winning. People were sold on Cody Rhodes winning. They're now sold on Jay Uso winning this thing. They've, they've built up four super credible challengers to Roman Reigns, where it's like, if this person wins, I'm not mad at this win. Like this is this is a good completion for the story. This makes a lot of sense right here. They're gonna they're gonna disappoint you. They're going to make sure Roman Reigns wins. They, they're going to get the heat on Roman Reigns. But they, they've done a good job actually selling these challengers when it comes to, to Roman Reigns. Look, if Jey Uso wins, just like the previous four, it makes sense. It makes sense for the moment. It makes sense for the story. And then Roman Reigns is still going to win. And we're going to be maybe in the sixth inning. Maybe they've gotten to the sixth inning. I don't know. Maybe, maybe bottom of the fifth, top of the sixth. We'll see where they're at, but I'm not mad if Jey Uso wins. He won't. Roman's going to win. I'm kind of with you on the match itself. I mean, like the Roman matches are just kind of formulaic at this point. They're good, but they're the first 10 minutes are kind of meaningless. And then it kind of kicks finally into a gear that matters. And then you start caring. When you're going to uh, get but- the whole, like them literally like talking to each other, having like heart to heart, like conversations <laughs> throughout the match too. Yeah. Like, yeah, it'll really slow down throughout. Well, they're going to use weapons and stuff. It's tribal combat. So I think that'll keep up the pace a little bit more. Like Because the last man standing match against Brock, I hate the last man standing stipulation. But like that didn't lack too much during the early portions. You know, Roman ain't doing the, the headlock, let me talk to the camera, talk a bunch of shit uh, type of thing in, in a in a no DQ type match. They They... They're going to use weapons and stuff. There's going to be more action. I think. That's a good so point. I, That's I think really that will point. help. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Because, like, Roman can talk his trash, but be, like, hitting him with a kendo stick or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, there's – that's that 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 that's a that's a very valid point about that. I think that that will definitely help. Because yeah. even, um, like, the tag match that we had recently with the Usos versus Roman and Solo, like, it was a great finish and everything. It's a great story. But, like, I felt like half the match was them just, like, kind of standing around and, like, Oh, the first portion of that match was like kind of throwaway stuff. Like, honestly, right. like the the ending was obviously great, and really, and you know, the the near falls, the kickouts, and everything like that was good. But that all kicked off, you know, when they did the big stare. They did ten minutes of a match, fifteen minutes of a match, and then they did the face to face and started brawling with each other. And it's like, okay, now the match actually matters. Like the first right. half of that match was just okay. They're just doing a match for the sake of doing a match. Roman was good in it, especially reacting to the crowd and everything. But it's it the second half was the memorable portion of that match. Uh, Rollins and Balor. I know there's a lot of discussion about this, about Balor possibly winning. They're very high on Judgment Day. Clearly, they're all over almost. I mean, they're they're on NXT weekly at this yeah. point. Uh, at least Dominic and Rhea. Rollins or not Rollins uh, the rest of the crew they got multiple segments on Raw sometimes they even appear on Smackdown so 
I could see Balor winning this and getting that moment uh, that he didn't have, you know, years ago when when he had to relinquish the title because of the shoulder injury. And this year it would be, oh, I got to watch my back because my partner might cash in this briefcase on me. And so this reign, this reign could be shorter than the last reign, uh, but not due to injury, but due to Damian Priest coming in and cashing in. But I, I, I'm kind of leaning on Balor and then them having uh, what would Balor say on Raw, like all the all the candy, all the toys type of thing with they got multiple titles. Everybody's got a title. And then Priest has the briefcase where it's like, yeah, this gets me that guaranteed shot at any title that I want. I'm going to continue to hold this until I feel it's my time to cash it in. Because uh, uh, then just really quick, for, yeah. because if I remember correctly, didn't Austin Theory use his briefcase on the U.S. title? Yeah. So like I didn't even really consider that until you just mentioned that. Like maybe Damien... I, I, I mean, I know I, I, I agree. I think it's very stupid to cash in on anything other than the world title. But um, I just thought about that too, like because I've just been so focused on like if if Seth or if uh, if if Finn has the world title, then Damian. Obviously, that is an interesting story because he could go for that title. But I hadn't even considered like he could technically, if they wanted to, they can make a story where it's like, well, Finn's got the world title, so you you know use it for something else. But I I I wouldn't do that story here's what he should cash in on okay he should cash in on bad bunny and get a grammy it should take one of bad bunny's grammys that's where i'm at i like that the only should attack should attack bad bunny at an award show whatever award shows coming up i don't know if they can do award shows right now because of the writer's strike it should attack him at a concert i don't care attack him cash in and take a grammy take all take all of his grammys he's got plenty of them it'll be fine i think he does i actually don't know if bad bunny has a grammy i just assume he does that's funny that's a good idea i uh the only thing i don't like about damian priest's presentation with the wwe is like i feel like i see him lose too often like he lost to bad bunny i've seen him lose to cody i've seen him i feel like i see him get pinned like pretty often but i know they do that with money in the bank people sometimes like i'm i know that's kind of a thing but um, it'd be nice. I mean, Damien's a great wrestler. I, I was a fan of his punch from Martinez. Like he's a, he's a, he got a lot of talent. Got good size, good in the ring. Like I have nothing against Damien. Like I'm, I, I like that they're pushing him. Um, but it's just weird that like, I just feel like every time I watch it, he's like, he's taking the pin or something, but like, he's supposed to be the next challenger for the title. I just don't like how they book like that sometimes. Bad Bunny has three Grammys and then a bunch of Latin American Grammys as well. So he's got plenty. Priest can cash in and, and win one of those. The other the other match that uh, by the, I'm looking forward to all these matches. All these matches have been well built. All these matches have some type of some type of stakes to them. Even though I know like R- Logan Paul Ricochet technically doesn't have any stakes, but like it's a match that's been building since they right, exactly WrestleMania or R- Royal Rumble. So exactly, yeah, like they they all feel like they they have some type of like stakes or urgency to them. So. Again, Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar, technically no stakes, but it feels like it has something attached to it. It feels like there's a lot of meaning attached well, to it, even if there's no technical stakes or a title. Uh, but this is a well-built card. I know people are mad that certain matches got left off the card, and I completely understand that. My thing there is like those matches were never officially announced, so I'm not too mad that it's like, oh, they were announced and then got pulled or moved or whatever. They were building. They should be on the card. I fully agree that like Becky and Trish should be on this card. It's built. It was built well enough to be on this card. I don't know the reasons why it's not. It seems like if you never know a social media, if the wrestlers are playing into it, 
type of thing. It seems like they they are upset that they're not on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On this card and they got reason to they probably should be on this card whatever the reason is it's their reason they're at least still going to deliver on the match at some point uh whether it be raw whether they end up pushing it to payback don't know uh at least for right now it's announced for raw but <clears throat> should it be on the card yes if, if they were told i will say this if they were told that they were going to be on the card and then they're not that becomes a kind of a bigger issue because you don't want to tell your talent, hey, yeah, you're going to be on the SummerSlam card. You're going to be on the SummerSlam card. You know, Becky's showing the photos of the promotional material she did. So if she's been told this entire time, Becky Trish, SummerSlam, and then she's not on SummerSlam, I can understand why she'd be upset at that because that would be an upsetting thing. That same thing happened to Seth last year. It seemed like Seth and Rollins was, or Seth and uh, Riddle was going to be on, I think it was SummerSlam. And it wasn't. They did the segment. Maybe Trish and Becky have some type of segment. I don't know. But as far as just, oh, they're off the card. Technically, they were never on the card. They were never officially announced for the card. So I'm not I'm not mad at that. Like, why aren't they on the card? I your expectation if your expectation was they're gonna be on the card, don't have expectations when it comes to WWE. I, I know that sounds very mean, but like just don't don't have expectations yeah that's different than like you know that wrestlemania where i'm watching it and like looking forward to cody coming out and wrestling his tag team match and then like they just get cut from the show remember that yeah like yeah i mean that's because uh donald trump kicked him to the side he tells that story where he's like backstage like sulking and here comes donald trump with his uh whole posse and then there's like please move out of the way donald trump is coming through and cody just has to get up and just tragic and then also i don't know if you mentioned this but like santos escobar and uh and theory right theory. like that's not on this show, yeah that's on the smackdown think. after SummerSlam. Right. that's another match yeah. that it seems like oh that should maybe be on SummerSlam, and it's it's not but so, to be fair yeah. when you look at the SummerSlam card like i i get it like they could probably do without the slim jim battle royal but like if the idea is they need to do something for la night then like that's that's probably what that is and then everything else on here like I'm not saying, and not, nothing against Santos in theory. I, you know, I'm a big Santos guy. I think the theories, you know, we talked about theory, did, but like, um, and like, obviously, Becky and Trish, two of the best ever. Like, you know, I can't really sit here and say like they shouldn't be on this show. I definitely, you know, they, they're huge stars. But when you look at this card, I can kind of also see like if you wanted eight matches, it's kind of hard to like, like, what would you remove? You know what I mean? Like, I think like, you know, maybe, but once again, 
it's hard to say that too because it's like it's Becky and Trish. So it's like I mean they should be on the pay per view. They're I mean it's Becky and Trish. But at the same time, when you look at the card, I'm like outside of that Slim Jim Battle Royal and maybe the Rousey and Baszler match. Even though that build has been good, I saw the video package that they aired on Monday for that, and that was a good video package in my opinion between Shayna and Ronda. So like outside of maybe that, like I don't know what you would like remove to put on like a theory in 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 uh santos match or something you know what i mean like the card looks pretty damn good on paper in my opinion um outside of maybe that slim jim battle royal like i said you could probably do without that you can maybe have done like shannon and ronda you know on like a raw or something but i think in, i think in wb's mind it's still ronda rousey it's still pay-per-view and there's still somewhat of a draw there in, in their opinion i don't know how real real that is anymore but um i don't know once again, nothing against the people who got left off the show. Maybe they'll be added. There's still, you know, some time to add more to this if they wanted to. But it feels like eight matches, that's a pretty solid card. Um, they haven't added pre-show matches yet, though, I don't think. so. They haven't been doing pre-show matches. They haven't? Okay. No, so, they've not been doing, like, any pre-show matches. So. so, okay. So, I mean, it looks like a good show, though. And once again, put Russell Rumble in the chat. We're going to pick three names at the end of the show uh, for Russell Rumble entries. Win a thousand dollars over there, WrestleRumble.com. Yep. Uh, yeah. Put WrestleRumble in the chat. Can you get to enter into uh, our random drawing uh, for a potential shot at, at the to get into the uh, WrestleRumble Pick'em to free entry into the SummerSlam Pick'em for WrestleRumble? Uh, I was going to comment on Gunther and Drew McIntyre and just oh, say yes. that Gunther should win, continue his reign. Um, but that should be a really a really good match. Uh, Pro Wrestling Podcast says, hey, Jeremy, you're awesome. Thanks. I was kidding. I was making a joke about if I want to see a loser, I'll look in the mirror type thing. I thought it was you know, self-deprecating humor. Uh, That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. Uh, yes. All right, everybody. Let's, let's get into the AEW spotlight. I'm old and I'm fucking tired and I work with fucking children. <laughs> I'm tired of wrestling these kids that think they, uh, they know everything. I actually don't have much CM Punk to talk about, but I wanted to use that bumper because he's going to continue to work with fucking children as the elite have re-signed with AEW. They are sticking around on a multi-year deal, a multi-year deal. Uh, Omega and the Young Bucks retain their status as executive vice presidents. They're not going anywhere. Steven Jensen, the elite remain the elite. Yes, very happy to see it. Very happy to see it. Um, I mean, it sounds cliche. It's obvious thing to say, but I mean, they are the E in all elite wrestling in AEW. That is There's what no the... E. There's an X. Uh-huh. Oh. There's oh. an X. Oh, right. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Yeah, and by the way, dude, there's been some stuff going on, like my shoe job, especially this week, because we've been so swamped, so busy. I've been like pretty miserable this week. I have highly contemplated cutting CM Punk style promos on some of the people that I work with this week. Um, starting to feel a little more sympathy for the guy, but um, I think that uh, I mean, had they lost, I mean, I know this sounds kind of maybe extreme, but like if they've lost Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and or Hangman Page they would almost need to like rename the company. Like it just, it wouldn't, it just would not be, I know the company's changed a lot over time and I get that. And a lot of it had to do with the pandemic. Like their initial vision of AEW I'd imagine was more so to give talent an option that wasn't the WWE. That was, you know, a legit alternative for the wrestlers and the fans, but even more so like on the wrestler side, 
you know, it was an opportunity for people like, you know, Joey Janela and, um, you know, Dark Order and like, you know, a lot of acts and stuff that may have been around for a long time but never really got the spotlight on mainstream TV, but were good enough to, and this is like a chance for them to do that. Orange Cassidy, you know, Chuck Taylor, a lot of these kind of guys. And like, and I think when the pandemic happened and then like WWE made all these cuts and I mean, Tony Khan and AW would have been crazy to not go after the talents they went after. Like you can't, you can't know that Adam Cole is going to be available and Brian Danielson's available and, and CM Punk's available and all this kind of stuff. And like, and not go after them. Like it would have been stupid business for Tony Khan not to, but in that process, I think the identity, a lot of what the company changed Along with that, Cody left, which, you know, I think is, is huge because he was obviously one of the main reasons that company started. And I think behind the scenes, he was the glue that held a lot of different things together and probably prevented certain bad ideas from not happening and stuff. And it's one of those things where, like, the company has just changed significantly since day one. That said, AEW's fantastic company. Like, what they're doing on television, they're putting together amazing shows. Collision is probably better than Dynamite now which is wild. And Dynamite's a great show. Like they have two legitimately, in my opinion, can't miss wrestling shows every week on, on the Turner networks, which is awesome. Awesome for them. Like I look forward to watching Collision to Dynamite every week. Um, and I feel like there can't miss shows if you're a wrestling fan. Um, and so that all said, AEW is in a great spot. The company's changed a lot, but they're in a great spot. Now, the reason I say all this is because, you know, with or without the elite, I think the company would succeed. But I think that if you take the elite out of that, it's just a completely different company. Like, at, you know, and and it's also, it would be a, a bad look, in my opinion, for AW and Tony Khan if somehow they lost those guys. Because that, that to me would, would, would signal like legitimate problems. Like if, if you couldn't find, figure out a way to keep those guys, like you already lost Cody. If you couldn't figure out a way to keep those guys, like there's real problems going on that like we just aren't privy to. Um, but that said, they're staying, which is awesome. So things are good. They're staying. I can look forward to, you know, I'd imagine Kenny Omega is going to go on another massive singles run. The Young Bucks probably go after the tag titles. There's rumors, I think, of Young Bucks and FTR at All In. Um, I mean, there's rumors of Jericho and Kenny, which I know, or sorry, Jericho and Osprey, um, which isn't elite related, but like, I just want to throw that out there too, that I saw that those rumors as well. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that the elite resigned. Like, I, I can't say enough good things about those guys and the risks that they took and the faith that other people had to have. And then to, to, to join initially, I mean, there was no guarantee this thing was going to work out. There was a, there was a good chance they were going to make a lot of enemies by starting a new company. And, you know, there's a lot of skepticism. There's a lot of, there's been a thousand times over the years that some guy with money's come along <clears throat> and said, Hey, I want to start a wrestling company. And Tony Khan's actually been able to do it successfully. Um, so there's a lot of risk and stuff, but there's also been a ton of reward, obviously. And that's why I think also we've seen like the Dark Order just recently resigned. And we're starting to see some of these almost kind of like legacy hires um, from AEW that are staying. And I think that a lot of that has to do with loyalty from the company too, where Tony must be looking at some of these guys and being like, you know what, we really aren't doing enough for best friends. Like let's get them involved in something legit. And then we we're seeing that happening right now against Blackpool Combat Club, like Dark Order. Like they've been with us since day one. They're, they've been loyal. They've been over we're keeping them like, let's keep riding with these guys. You know, like I, I, I like that mindset. Not everyone's going to get re-signed and everyone's going to stay forever, 
but I do like the loyalty there on AEW's end for keeping some people and getting some of these day one people more involved in recent times, which I really like seeing. Um, so anyways, that's kind of where my, my head's at with it. I, I, I'm very, very happy to see that, that the elite is resound with AEW. Yeah. Uh, I know there was some, there was some rumor that they might at least talk to WWE. I think they'd be foolish not to once yeah. their contracts expired. It doesn't even sound like, aw gave them that chance they, they made them a good enough offer to where it's like all right we don't need to even see what kind of wwe has to say and i understand that from from their standpoint as well you know when cody's contract was was up and he was actually working without a contract people were like oh there's no way he's gonna leave he can't leave like he's part of the founding fathers and stuff it certainly made more sense of why cody would leave considering his whole history in wrestling and the fact that he'd been in wwe before and a lot of the Let's face it, a lot of the WWE people, once they've been there once, even if they leave, no matter what kind of circumstances they leave on, it seems like they find their way back to that company at some point. The Elite never had that. They'd never been right. in WWE outside of Kenny in Deep South, like, but they, they'd never been part of there. So it's understandable why they'd be like, yeah, well, I'm good. I'm good here. We're just going to stay here. Yeah. Well, and something that happened in the Cody doc that's worth bringing up in relation to this is he said that when he became a free agent and he he said that it was within like five minutes of like someone in WWE finding out that he was going to be a free agent within five minutes that they they were on the phone with he was on the phone with WWE like it was super super fast and he said that initially like because Vince Vince flew to his house here in Atlanta and he said that his whole his whole mindset going into it was going to be closure like he just wanted to have Vince in front of him and pretty much just thank him like for what he did for him up to that point in his career, let him know like there was no hard feelings and that like he was good with where he was and like that he became the star that like Vince didn't see what it was. It wasn't like to rub it in his face. It was just like an opportunity to, to sit face to face with a guy he really respects, who is kind of somewhat of a father figure to him as a, as a kid growing up in the wrestling business. And like, it was more of a closure type thing where he just wanted to like shake his hand and look him in the eye and like, tell him like things are good. And like, you know, he appreciates him as well. And um, instead, Vince sat down and was like, just telling him all this great stuff. And Cody's sitting there going like, you know, hey, if I'm if I even consider this, like I'm the American nightmare, I've got my music, I've got and and Vince straight up told him, yeah, that's what we're buying. And it's like, that is that is if, if I was Cody, that's I would sign right then too. I'd be like, oh, okay, I have the leverage finally. Oh, my God. I have the leverage on Vince in the WWE. This never happens. Like they're willing to buy what I created. It isn't me going back there and then making all this stuff up for me and telling me what to say and telling me what to do. They're buying the American nightmare. That's a completely different thing than just signing Cody Rhodes and being like, we'll figure out a creative for you like that. So that needs to be kind of highlighted as well. Cody didn't go into this thinking like, I'm going to go straight back to the WWE. It was like, I want to talk to Vince. But then they said, we want to buy what you created and bring it to us and just keep it the same. And that's, that's humongous. That hardly ever happens. Plus Steven Jensen for turning the elite signing with AEW into Cody Rhodes. Well, the, well, well the reason, <laughs> the reason, the reason that that's relevant though, is because <laughs> Tony was smart this time to not let it get to that point. Because if you really value these people and you don't want them talking to the competition, you don't let them become free agents. Like, so, and I get, like, if I was the elite personally, business-wise, I would have, I would have went into free agency and I would have found out what my, what my true market value is. 
because I think that everyone's kind of owed that, like to know what their actual value is before they make a decision like that. But if you're Tony Khan, that's a smart move. Like just get, get out in front of it and be like, listen, these contracts are coming up. And then you don't say this, but like you think in the back of mind, you don't want the same thing to happen with happen with Cody to happen to anyone else. So like you, you, you get out in front of it and you tell them like, Hey, let's figure this out right now. What do y'all want? What will, what will keep you from free agency? If you were to talk to them, what would you ask for? Like you, you find that stuff out. Like what, like what, like what are any reasons you would have to leave? What are any reasons you would have to go to the WWE? And let's figure that out right now before it becomes an issue. And let's get you what you need. You know, and that's that probably is what happened, which is smart, which is how you should do business, which is how the NFL does business. And, you know, that that's that's how real sport and that, and that and Tony Khan has that experience, obviously. And that's what was so baffling about the Cody stuff to me. Now, I won't say anything publicly. I've heard little rumblings about other things that may have led to why Cody decided to leave. I, I have heard some stuff, but I but the the, the stuff that, you know, but the, the when it comes to the contract, it's like, you know, you need to. You know, I don't, I, I honestly don't know if what, I don't know if the reason Cody left could have been fixed to be completely honest. He might've wanted out either way. He might not have wanted. He said it was a personal, he said it was a personal issue. I'm, I've not heard anything. I'm basing on what, what you can deduce just reading between the lines. He said it was a personal issue. We know Brandy left at the same time. We know Brandy has said hasn't like when brawl out happened she's like i've been quiet for for too long type of thing um i don't know what the full issue is what the real personal issue with is cody has said it had nothing to do with elite had nothing to do with cm punk he's he said nice things to tony khan my you can you can read between the lines on all this stuff right everyone Uh, it seems like it was a personal family issue there. Right. And that's the thing is like, like I said, I don't know. But my thing is, I don't think Cody was initially just like gung ho about like, I'm just going to go right back to the WWE. He might've wanted out of AEW either way, but he could have went back to the Indies. He could have got out of wrestling completely, got into politics, got into acting, like whatever. Like he could have just bailed completely if he wanted to, if like WWE wasn't going to be an option and he was out on AEW. But the Cody thing aside, like, when we're talking specifically of the elite and anyone else going forward that Tony Khan values and does not want to leave, this is how you do business. Like you get out in front of it and you make this stuff happen before they even become free agents, get people extended, get tear up old contracts and sign new ones. Just, you know, and if, and if there's people that like you don't value like that, you let them become free agents. Like if, if you're on the fence about them, let them become free agents. Sometimes it'll work to your benefit as a company. Sometimes someone will, will overvalue themselves become a free agent, they go talk to the other company, find out that they're offering less than what you were already getting. You go crawling back to the original company. Now, now they, now they can pay you less to come back and work for them. Whereas before you would have gotten what, you know, you know, so there, there's, there's two sides to the negotiations and it all comes down to leverage and value all of it. Cody got to a point where he was so valuable that WWE bought his, bought his gimmick. Basically um, the elite are so valuable that Tony Khan doesn't even want them becoming free agents. You know, but there are going to be people who become free agents and Tony's going to be, has to be okay with them leaving if they do. Um, or the talent has to be okay with them maybe not getting what they want. You know, it just, you know, that's, that's all, that's all sports. That's all entertainment. That's how it works across the board, obviously. So, yeah. Um, so kind of to tie the elite and then the, the other spotlight, which is MJF Adam Cole being official for all yeah. in, you know, the elite will be on all in, in some capacity, 
what that capacity is, we don't know. Uh, they've not, you know, they had a match last night against Jarrett Singh and Lethal that they won, and then they cut the promo that we're going to be on shows. I, I know the report is Young Bucks against FTR, which makes sense. That's an easy story to tell on kind of short notice, considering we're just a few weeks away from All In and they're coming off the feud with Blackpool and then d- didn't really set up anything last night, but you can just play off history with those two teams. Uh, Kenny, the Takeshka makes sense. Cause again, history, callous stuff. I, I know the rumor, the report is Osprey and Jericho, which the callous stuff. Yes. But Osprey is not available until mid August because of the G one. So he won't, he wouldn't even be on the shows until then. Then you're only leaving yourself like a week to try to, tell that like callus is gonna have to do a lot of heavy lifting and like callus and osprey aren't aligned enough to where it's like oh yeah this makes sense i think omega and jericho makes a lot of sense at yeah. all in especially with the callus factor it does make a lot of sense yeah and they've had great yeah. matches with one another yeah i think i think omega and jericho makes a lot of sense for for all in and that's again a story you can has kind of told itself and you could play off enough history to where yeah you only have a couple of weeks to make it official but you have enough history to where it's like, oh, okay, they've actually been building this for a little while. Uh, we do know one match that is official, and it's Adam Cole, and it's MJF. It's for the world title. CM Punk on Collision called himself the real world champion. He pulled out his title from All Out. He did the X through it. He kind of hinted at a unification match at All In. That's obviously not happening at this point. Now, where does CM Punk stand going in? to all in um because they're not going to do the unification match it does seem like they probably do punk uh, they do the unification match at uh all out wow, the next yeah. week being punk in chicago but as far as mjf and adam cole goes we got that it's official no turn or anything last night how do you kind of see this going going into to all in do you, they just remain friends and have a friendly competition at all in man it's uh <clears throat> it's 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 super interesting how they played this with MJF and Adam Cole. Um especially last week where after they lost their match they both knew it was going to happen. Like MJF had that title in his hand. Adam Cole had his back to him and was just like, "All right, hit me with it." Like we we know where this is going and and he didn't do it. And not only that, the one thing about MJF and I I obviously sympathize to this guy. I'm I'm Jewish. I have dealt with, especially like where I grew up, there wasn't a lot of Jewish people. I used to get made fun of a lot for being, I used to get bullied a lot as a kid over it. I used to come to school like for Jewish holidays with like, you know, matzah instead of like bread and stuff and just get bullied. And just like, I just like, I, I went through it as a kid being Jewish where I grew up. So I can sympathize a lot to the stuff that MJF says, but I've heard him tell this story about the change being thrown at him every time he's trying to be a baby face. He and does this promo every single time. Every single time. And, and not only just that, on the indies, I heard him tell it multiple times before he was in yeah. AEW. So, like, listen, it's a great story. Well, not a great story. It's a terrible story, but it's a very sympathetic story, and it's a very relatable story. Something that, once again, I, I, I've I, pretty much dealt with the same type of stuff. But, like, that I, I, my, my thing is, like, he's so good. Like, he's so good at talking. He's so good at wrestling. He's so smart and entertaining like just there's i feel like there's other ways you can make me like you than just telling that story over and over again like that's just this me personally like i just feel like he, there's more he can he can talk about than than that now granted if you haven't heard that story and hear him tell it for the first time then like yes you're going to be sympathetic towards him and that's the idea is like you can't assume that everyone has 
knows this about him. Everyone, especially everyone who hates him so much, knowing this about him is automatically going to, you're going to take pull back a little bit and be like, Ooh, it's kind of like more of like a Joker type arc, right? Where like the guy meant well and this, all this bad stuff happened to him. And now he's become this villain because of it. Um, that all said, uh, someone's turning. I don't know when it's going to happen. I still think Adam Cole should turn on him, but not as a heel. I, but the, see, the, where, where this becomes really, really interesting to me is even more so with assuming it's going to be Adam Cole. Sorry, sorry. MJF versus CM Punk in Chicago at All Out. That's my guess for the title. Although CM Punk versus Adam Cole for the title would be pretty huge. Both guys are Chicago guys. I think I think Adam Cole is a Chicago guy. Or at least he at least he became he became he I think in like the wrestling world he's kind of a Chicago he's guy. From Chicago. I think yeah, he's from he's Chicago. Been... But but he's he was heavily influenced by CM Punk on the indie scene. And I know he did a lot of work in that area coming up. Yeah, he he's from like the Pennsylvania. Yeah, well yeah, the Panama yeah. well, it was from like Florida probably. Panama State. Well, yeah, now I'm saying like he was born and kind of came up in the, yeah. the Pennsylvania area. He's from Pennsylvania. But I know but I know he was a very big CM Punk fan growing up. Anyway, the the point is CM Punk and Adam Cole would also be good main event in Chicago at all out, in my opinion, if Adam Cole were to beat MJF at all in. But the reason why once again why I'm like my my wheels are spinning trying to figure out where they're going with all this is on one hand, Adam Cole turning on MJF and, and Adam Cole remaining a baby face and basically saying, I got you before you could get me. Um, and Roderick Strong, that's the funniest part of all this, him just losing his mind as all this is happening you know, in a neck brace. Um, but the in a neck brace is the funniest part. Right. It's like he's throwing <laughs> stuff backstage and he's just got this giant neck brace. <laughs> it, it looks like he's losing oxygen to his head. He's like, you hit yeah, the red. Yeah. Um, but, but where, where, where I start like really trying to figure out exactly where they want to go with this is like, do you keep both guys, baby faces? Do you have them just have a really good match at all in and MJF retains because where my head at also is like, it's so weird. The situation that they're in with CM Punk with this and MJF getting cheered because if they're going to do this match in Chicago, CM Punk's obviously going to get massive pops because it's Chicago. So you would want a heel like MJF to be the the villain in a scenario like that. But because MJF has gotten so over as a baby face, if this match was happening anywhere but Chicago, MJF would be getting cheered and CM Punk would be getting booed. And it would be like this weird opportunity to have, have MJF be the hero who gets this title away from CM Punk. So like, I don't. I really don't know where they're gonna go with it. I don't know what route they're gonna go because you could just have MJF just turn on Adam Cole, just beat the hell out of him after their match or during their match or low blow him or whatever, and then you just have a heel MJF against the babyface CM Punk in Chicago to unify the titles, which probably makes the most sense on paper. But you also have this really crazy opportunity with MJF as a short-term babyface to take the title from a heel CM Punk to kind of save AEW, but then he can go heel again soon after. Cause it's like, yeah, you saved AEW, but now you're holding them hostage again. Cause now you're negotiating with the WWE when your contract comes up. So like there's, there's just a lot of layers to it all, but, but I think part of it and the reason why it's so unpredictable as a fan is because I think it's unpredictable for the AEW team as well. I don't think that they expected the MJF and Cole stuff to get as over as it's gotten um, it's been like a really pleasant surprise to them probably. And they're probably thinking, 
well, these were the plans, but like, we got to do more with this. Cause like, look how well this is going. Yeah. I think that's a, a big part of it too, is they probably did have one plan in mind what that was. Who knows? Maybe it was Adam Cole getting him first. Maybe it was MJF like striking as MJF does, but it did get very over the, the numbers for collision was, I don't say it's all of them because it was, you know, they had a big match set up that punk was going to be there. Like there was, there was a lot to that collision show, but you look at the past numbers, you look at the numbers from this past week. What was the difference? Well, they built up a good title program for FTR and they built it up thanks to MJF and Adam Cole and their partnership and their, their overall story. So they deserve a lot of credit for that. Obviously the merchandise sales are, are big, but yeah, uh, they, they probably have changed plans a little bit to try to extend this as much as they can. And then, so now how far do you go with extending this? Does Adam Cole turn on MJF? I know people have pointed out that, you know, Adam Cole on the hug, he pats MJF on the back, but then he does the, that little thing. Like basically you're stabbing him in the back. He did that to uh, strong and O'Reilly in uh, NXT. And people pointed that out that he basically did the same thing to MJF that he did to them before he turned on them so maybe adam cole is the one who turns i think they got they got a lot of options heading into all in and then heading into all out where you're basically doing a one week build for whatever match you're doing at all out but it will feel like more than a one week build depending on the story that they actually tell with this so they got a lot of options i don't think any of them are bad options unless they just get away from that entire thing like if they go in a completely different direction uh of here's CM Punk against Jungle Boy for right. All Out for some reason. Like Unless they just completely go in a 180 here, as long as you have these centerpieces there going into All In, going into All Out, and you capitalize on all that, I don't know if there's a bad option there. What'll be interesting is the coming out of these two big shows, because these are the big shows that are going to kind of sell themselves. Um, but coming out of this, you got to run with Cole as a heel. You got to run with MJF as a baby face or you keep running with MJF as a heel. How do you run with CM Punk? The decisions they make on these shows is really going to set the table for the rest of the year. And then going into 2024. Completely agree with everything you just said uh, verbatim. Uh, and also just really quickly um, before we move on to the last couple topics, um, Shout out to Sheeta, the car Sheeta, the new AEW World Women's Champion. That was a pleasant surprise. I really didn't expect. Once it was the main event, I expected it a little bit more. I was like, maybe they'll do a big title change here. But um, until it happened, because when when uh, when Tony Storm did the the spray paint and then the strong the 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 what's it called the Storm Zero Strong Zero the, yeah Storm Zero the the pile driver yeah um, she uh, I thought that was it for sure. And I was like, damn, Sheeta got the job done. Good for her. So shout out to Sheeta. And also shout out to the whole effing show, Rob Van Dam. We talked about that last week of we how did. Van Dam could be a possibility for Jungle Boy since he's still active and, and competing and everything. I still yeah. maintain bring in Too Cool Scorpio. I don't care hey. what what show. Get him on a rampage. Get him on a collision. Get him on a dynamite. I don't care how you book him, what show you book him on. Get him on one of these shows. Yeah, That's I agree. Two Cold Scorpio should have already been in AEW. And even if not, well, she should be there as a wrestler because he still performs at a really high level. But at the very least, it should be there helping out as a coach and stuff. Two Cold is the man. Um, but uh, there was something, uh, 
there was something else I was going to say about that. Now, oh yeah, Rob Van Dam. He's still looking great. Obviously, he looks a little older. Um, he still stayed active enough. I think he wrestles like a match a year the last couple of years, just like to stay a little bit in ring shape. But I know he was, he was in Impact like just a couple of years ago, fairly consistently. And he went out there and he had a he did a nice you know jumping kind of like roundhouse kick that he he missed, but he was looking good. He's looking looking agile. So I'm looking forward to, to Jack Perry versus RVD. I think it's actually going to be pretty good. And uh, yes, continue to bring in more ECW people. I figured they might do, you know, RVD. And I'm interested to see who Jack Perry wrestles at, at all in and or all out. Um, because I'd imagine it'll be another ECW alum type person. Um, maybe I think it'll be Hook there. again on one of these shows. That's right. It'll, 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 it'll be Hook on one of them, probably. You're probably right about that. And I know Taz probably isn't ready to like to go in the ring, but I think he's good enough to go for like, you know, put someone in a Taz mission type thing. You know what I mean? I think that'll probably be the big kind of exclamation point of the story will be, or the big turning point of the story will be like Taz coming out, putting hook in the, cut, cut, cut the Hajime. Well, all these, all these, these moves that Joey styles and people would call basic through naked chokes and stuff. Um, Anyways. Coquina Clutch. That's a good name for a for a yeah. for a rear naked joke. Sounds cool. Um. Anyways, shout out Rob Van Dam. It was cool to see him. Let's move on to our other spotlight and a reminder, guys. Leave a Wrestle Rumble in the chat to get uh, entered into our random drawing. Our product is what it is. We're going straight up the middle. Impact New Japan Multiverse United is coming up uh, here shortly, and one match that is official is Alex Shelley against Hiroshi Tanahashi. They've made that one official. I'm very happy for Alex Shelley on this. Um, you know, he's getting he's getting his flowers when he deserves them uh, as he, as still active competitor and winning the Impact World Title, which I think a lot of people were surprised by. He's getting a match against Hiroshi Tanahashi. My expectations are very limited on this, and I love Hiroshi Tanahashi, but. He's coming off of a G run run by the time this match happens. Uh, he's older. That's just reality of life. He's older. He's not going to work as well as, as he used to. Uh, I think Alex Shelley is smart enough. It's always Tanahashi is smart enough to understand the pace that they need to go and the story they need to tell. But I am excited for this match. And I'm just really excited for Alex Shelley in general. We had Jordan Oliver on in the weeds yesterday and uh, he, you know, Alex Shelley is one of his mentors and he was just talking about like how nice it is to see Alex Shelley get all of this love on the independence and on a bigger stage on impact now, because he's been someone that's, been grinding for for this uh uh for this long and he's finally getting all these flowers hell yeah we need to get jordo on this show soon i would love to talk to jordan oliver we talked about him so much i know um, we tried and then like he wasn't returning messages at the time uh that it was kind of when like his twitter had gotten like hacked and stuff so there, there was this weird thing with him uh but yeah i reached out to him on like monday and was like hey do you want to do this he's like yeah sure so we we should do that because we obviously do a longer interview format here than in the weeds which is only like 20 minutes yeah we'll we'll try to get jordo on here for y'all soon i have a ton i can talk to him about i'm watching him since he was a teenager um but uh yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, huge, huge Alex Shelley fan. Uh, like you said, Tanahashi, it just, it is what it is. Like, I mean, especially with his in-ring style, it's just, it, see, it's, it's once, it's, <laughs> this is the upside of being someone like the Hulkster in the ring versus someone like Tanahashi in the ring because Hulk Hogan got over with like super, super basic moves. Now, granted, he couldn't like do the light drop after a certain point because of his hips, but he always had like a clothesline and a big booty can kind of go to super, super basic stuff. Hogan himself has actually said in interviews 
that he wishes he would have had his submission hold as a sleep or his finishing move as a sleeper hold. He wishes he yeah. would have done that instead of Piper because he could be he could still be having matches right now putting people in sleeper holds. Um, he, he said sleeper or clothesline. He wishes he because he used to he would use the clothesline in Japan. In Japan, the, right? Like axe bomber. Uh, yeah, he wishes he would have maybe stuck with that instead of the leg drop because that did a bunch of damage to his hip and back. Exactly, and that's my point with like Tanahashi is like when you're known for like the high fly flows and the and the sling blades and that kind of stuff, but you can't really move like you used to, or you're like falling off the top rope because like you know it's like. And I and I and I don't watch that by the way and laugh when these kind of things happen to someone like Tanahashi. It's like I feel bad and I want them to end on a high note. Um, so it's really the balance of like holding on too long versus like you know still doing it while you can. Um, but Tanahashi is an absolute legend. Like you can no one can take anything away from Hiroshi Tanahashi and what he's accomplished. And listen, if, if anyone's going to go in there and make sure Tanahashi looks good, Al Shelley's going to do it. Like, I mean, it's going to, they're going to have a good match. Um, and it's good that we get to see, see Tanahashi, at least for the time being. And like you said, it's great to see Al Shelley getting his flowers while he's still around. He's still active. Um, I talked about him a thousand times on this show about how impressed I am for so long with, with Al Shelley and Chris Saban. Both of those guys, I think, are just fantastic performers who, in the grand scheme of things, are still probably undervalued, like, in the grand scheme for what they've brought to the table all these years as singles and tag team wrestlers um, and as mentors for the next generation. Like you just said, I mean, I, I, pretty much anyone we talk to, we could, we could ask them their opinion about Shelly and they're all going to say positive stuff about him or, or that they can't wait until they can wrestle him one day. Um, so yeah, shout out to, to Shelly and Tanahashi. Uh, that'll be a, that'll be a good match of the multiverse. Head into our indie spotlights. I'm going to give a big mother fucking shout out the bang bros got a big motherfucking shout out from bang. <laughs> right. yeah. maybe bang they they posted the cease and desist they got from bang bros which is google it if you would like or um, don't i mean <laughs> yeah or don't i think this is why you know seamus and drew mcintyre kind of couldn't use that name and then use the bang br- bus that's right. They call themselves the Banger Bros for a second, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. People are like too Funny. similar. Um, yeah. So they got the cease and desist. They were just, uh, I think Matthews and Davey uh, on the last show or just Matthews and Bang on, yeah. on the last show, the freelance show that they just worked. It was coming. It, like we knew, we knew it was coming. Uh, we talked to Dominic Garini a little bit about this. He brought it up of just like, you just probably as good as they are as a tag team and we've talked about them before like we really enjoy their work but like that ain't a team that ain't a name that's flying on national television like there's just some issue with that uh yeah and they got hit with a cease and desist so there you go they they would even that would even happen like you know whenever they make their entrances at most indie shows that they do on commentary the running joke was always like and here come the bang bros just don't google them you know and that was like always like the big thing especially on like a kid's show um dom talks about it too in our in our interview and kevin q told us this as well when we interviewed him um that when they were called sadcomp before their team was called balances forever uh coon Garini had the team named sadcomp and um ozzy open told them one day they were just like listen y'all gotta change your names like y'all are way too y'all are way too good to be having these ring names because this is just gonna hold you back and um, then they changed their name to Bounces Forever, like immediately after that. They're like, okay, like we have a really legitimate, great tag team telling us this is the one thing we need to change to hit the next level. Like, let's do it. Um, they totally rebranded themselves. Um, 
for the Bang Bros, yeah, they came out as just like Matthews and Bang or Bang and Matthews or whatever they called their team. Um, but it was, you know, they came out in like in like loose fitting ties and like button up shirts. Like they, were, they looked like they were going to go to court, like as a kind of their new their new look, or at least it was for uh, for the freelance show. Um, yeah, I mean, this was going to happen sooner or later. I mean, even if those two guys got signed by AEW or WWE one day, they absolutely were going to change their names. And it was probably preventing them from getting booked or getting tryout matches to begin with. Because even if, even if they came out on AEW TV for like a dark, for a dark or like rampage or something, and they were just banging Matthews or whatever, you're still running the risk of people being like, wait, who are these guys? Like, I want to look into them. And then you start Googling and then you wind up on a, adult site that has nothing to do with with professional wrestling so like i i i they here's the thing they should have never made their names that to begin with because they are listen if they were if they were a comedy team that didn't have like a serious future i wouldn't care but listen on one hand it gets them it got them exposure like it was a it was a edgy kind of you know it you know you you saw that, you heard it, you saw him wrestle, and you'd remember that. It was the Bang Bros. You know, you know what the Bang Bros is outside of wrestling. You 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 remember this stuff. But they're too talented to be to be they're pigeonholing themselves. That's all it is. It's straight up they're yeah. pigeonholing themselves. They're preventing themselves from get, from working bigger places because of the name. And now they can change that. And now they're being forced to change it. So like change it. And hopefully they can change it and get people to they have to disassociate with it completely to where like there's no risk going forward. It may take a while before any company decides like, Hey, they're still known as the bang bros. There are actually more people talking about them now than before. Cause more people know about the cease and desist. But um, anyway, that said, I think they're a fantastic tag. They're legitimately one of the best tag teams on the NDC and they have been for a, a while now. Um, fantastic wrestlers. Those guys, I love their matches. So yeah, it was, it, they, they needed to change their name for a while and now they're being forced to, which is, I rarely say getting a cease and desist is like a good thing, but in their case, it actually is good that they're forcing them to do this now. So it's, so it isn't a problem for them, you know, in the future. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we'll see if they come up with, maybe they just continue with Matthews and, and bang or whatever they decide to use. Maybe they actually get a, a, team name that works for them whatever that might be um yes he's the cease twins would be a good name i think that's actually used um uh deal with says thoughts on this week's dark side of the ring it was bash of the beach 2000 i can't I say it. that i watched it I watched you watched it, it? Mm-hmm. okay what, what'd you think uh it was all right the, the problem with uh and i got a bounce in a second unfortunately the clock and my shoot job but the um it was it was it was fine you know i I don't love Dark Side like I did like the first season, maybe even the second season. It's it's I feel like they they have to kind of rush the episodes. And the problem with an episode like Bash of the Beach 2000 is that and they even talk about like Dave Meltzer talks about this during the episode himself. And this, I think, was very true. Like the Bash of the Beach story and everything for that episode is basically the the, the tales of two liars and like who. Yeah. Like who who just choose a side to believe basically? Do you believe that Vince Russo is telling the truth? Or do you believe that Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan are telling the truth? Like I mean, and that's and Jeff Jarrett was just kind of caught in the middle of all of it. So like, you know, that that's kind of my takeaway from it is I still don't know exactly what happened or what was exactly said. No one well except for the people that were in that room, uh, which is Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff, and Vince Russo, and those are three of the biggest liars you're ever going to encounter in wrestling. So like, who who knows? 
but I thought it was a well done episode. I mean, all the episodes for the most part are well done. That's kind of where I'm at on Bash at the Beach 2000 as well, though, as I've heard enough about it for so long. I've heard from the main players for so long and like the story, it doesn't always change, uh, but we know just their history, all these players. And so it's, it's tough for me to be like, Oh, I'm going to get a bunch of new information on this episode. Like, no, I've, I've heard what they've had to say plenty of times throughout the years that I don't think we're going to get anything new on this. And it's not really a story at this point that like even interests me. Um, So yeah. All right. I have done the, the drawing for, Wrestle Rumble, so I will read the names out right now. Please contact Stephen Jensen. Shoot him a DM. I know yeah. he has to go. My DMs uh, are already, so best just make sure to message me before the end of SmackDown on Friday. That's all I ask. Before the end of SmackDown tomorrow night, message me on Twitter. I'll make sure you get your entries. Uh, Cody Willis, Jack Witt, and J.K. Shaw are, are the three winners. Message Jensen. Uh, again, that's Cody Willis, Jack Witt, and J.K. Shaw. Message Jensen. Shoot him a DM. He'll get you the free entry into the Wrestle Rumble. You can do the pick You can sign up. Chance to win $1,000. Jensen, I know you got to go quickly. Do plugs. Yes, for sure. Yeah, X me. X me a message. Uh, DM me an, an X on Twitter. Um, uh, yeah, congratulations. Please, please do that before SmackDown ends tomorrow night. Preferably right now. If you message me right now, I'll be looking while I'm at work um please make sure to follow me on twitter at fight talk underscore f-i-g-h-t-t-a-l-k underscore use code fight talk and independent wrestling.tv listen to the weekender podcast every sunday on fightfulselect.com and in all honesty y'all i've had a hell of a week i my mental health and every just i am drained i am beat down i am not having a good time this week and i'm not looking forward to the next nine hours at all um I very much appreciate everyone in the chat. I appreciate you, Jeremy. Like, I really look forward to doing this show with y'all. And uh, whether you love me, you hate me, you like my takes on LA Knight, CM Punk, Cody Rhodes, all this stuff, just know that I appreciate y'all tuning into the show. I appreciate all the positive comments, negative comments, just just y'all being involved, caring at all, and uh, joining us. Like, I really I really don't take this for granted, um, having this platform and being a part of Fightful and everything and doing the show with you, Jeremy. So I know I tell y'all that all, the, I tell you that all the time privately, but like, for people in the chat this week, I, I very much appreciate y'all. And I hope you join us um, next Thursday as well. And hopefully the next time y'all see and hear me, I am not so just at my wits end with other stuff. But Well, when Brock Lesnar beats Cody Rhodes, you're not going to be in a great mood. So, All right, y'all. Um, y'all hear me next <laughs> on the, uh, the Weekender podcast this Sunday. Uh, I may pop up for other stuff. I don't know. Maybe to preview SummerSlam or stuff. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Check, check me out on Twitter. I'll keep everything updated there. See you, Jeremy. See y'all in the chat. Have a good one. Bye, buddy. Hope uh, today goes well. The weekend goes well. You can enjoy SummerSlam a little bit. Uh, the great, the great Steven Jensen. I troll him. I hope he knows that. I, I love him. But it's fun to troll about like Cody and Brock stuff. It's hilarious to me. Uh, didn't even get to mention that Bray Wyatt's going to show up at the end of the Cody match and just take him out. Can't wait for that. Uh, we have a great interview with Dominic Garini. He's in the Crater Spotlight this week. Um, longtime independent wrestling fans, fans of tag team wrestling, hopefully know who Dominic Garini is. Uh, his tag team with Kevin Koo, who's on the show about a month ago. Uh, his tag team with Kevin Koo, Violence is Forever. In my opinion, the best independent wrestling tag team out there. Uh, they're working all over the place. They're returning to GCW this weekend for their show in Detroit. They're part of DPW. They're part of the, the Southeast scene when they get, when, you know, action, things like that. Um, uh, SUP, if SUP is running some, some shows, AIW, they're part of all of those shows. So uh, a long conversation with Dominic Greeny. We went like an hour and a half. 
with him. Our interviews keep getting longer and longer. I don't want that to kind of be the normal, I will say. Um, but we've had a lot of great guests on and they've enjoyed chatting with us. I, I hopefully that's a, it's an indictment on us that like, Hey, we're, they, they enjoy talking to us and they want to talk as long as possible with us. Cause if they didn't, they could very easily tell us I am done at this point. I, I don't want to speak anymore. So hopefully others enjoy the interviews as much as we enjoy talking to them and they seemingly enjoy talking to us, but a lot of good stuff from, from Dominic Greeny talks about how they, they want to do maybe some stuff with in Japan, how they want to do ROH. Uh, they, they want to work with ROH. They, we talked about the FTR match, just a lot, a lot of great stuff with Dominic Greeny, not only about his career and everything that's happened, stuff that might be happening in the future, just solid advice, whether it's life, whether if you're an independent wrestler listening to this, I think Greeny is definitely a guy to listen to some fun stories about like Kevin Owens and things like that, working AIW. So a lot of good stuff with Dominic Greeny. Let's get into it in the creator spotlight from Violence is Forever, Dominic Greeny, everybody. The creator spotlight, the interview portion of the spotlight right here on Fightful. I, as always, am Steven Jensen, joined by Jeremy Lambert. And today, our guest is a very accomplished professional wrestler who has a very, very wide resume of accomplishments, some of which include being a former BLP tag team champion, former two-time C4 tag team champion, former Action tag team champion, former DPW tag team champion, former IWTV independent wrestling tag team champion, current Southern Underground Pro tag team champion, the only and longtime running champions over there at SUP, and also a former SUP Bonestorm champion. Don't think I forgot about that, representing the face of East back in those days. Welcome to the show, Dominic Green of the Bone Collector. How you doing, man? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on tonight. Uh, just to talk some, some professional wrestling, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Been looking forward to this, man. We, we talked to, to Q not too long ago, and, and we've, been, we've been looking forward to getting you on here, so... Uh, very, very happy to have you on, man. Happy yes, to thank you. you. Thank, thank you for joining us. We we really appreciate it. Um, I'm just going to start with, with the obvious thing that is coming up this weekend, GCW, the return to GCW. How did this come about, and why was this the, the right time to kind of make the GCW return? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, obviously, you know, Kevin and I have probably been two of the most tried and true IWTV guys for the last couple years now. Um, you know, we were very much the drum beaters to get the um, IWTV tag titles as something we would always talk to Jerry, say, you need to get tag titles, you need to get tag titles, you need to get tag titles. After about two years of badgering, a whole pandemic, we were finally able to wear them down into the tournament that took place most of last year, uh, where we then won the initial titles, you know, and now I think that tag team wrestling on that service is in a very good spot with wrestling open and a lot of the Northeast guys. Um, we've been four time out of TV tag team champions. It's kind of one of those things where we wanted to go to somewhere where we really haven't been. When you look at our GCW appearances, they've been with the BLP co-pro shows. They've been basement East shows when they were there, but we really haven't done much more than that with them. So I've known Brett for what, six, seven years now from when he would come to AIW a lot. Um, true story. I was actually supposed to wrestle in GCW back in like 2017, but the weekend he wanted to run was one of my first weekends of the wall. So I'd, I couldn't do it. I think I was going to wrestle Riddle that weekend and then Riddle also couldn't do it. So it all worked out. Um, so 
then realistically we did those base knee shows, but I reached, I reached out to Brett, Kevin and I had talked and we were like, you know, this is kind of the next step for us. I reached out to Brett about two months ago. Brett is like such an enigma when it comes to reaching out for stuff. So it was kind of like back and forth. And then, you know, it was kind of like, Hey, Detroit's coming up. I live close to Detroit. Kevin now based in Chicago lives close to Detroit. The GCW tag division has had a lot of the same teams there. There hasn't been a lot of turnover. So there's a lot of fresh matchups for us there. And that was pretty much what I told Brett when I was reaching out to him. I said, us versus Massey's in a singles match or singles tag match has never happened. We've never wrestled Jordan and Nick in a singles tag match. You know, we haven't wrestled Bussy in a tag match. We haven't wrestled, I think there was another team. Oh, we haven't wrestled that SGC in a tag match. Like we've wrestled those guys singles, but never in a tag. So, you know, to me and Kevin, there was a lot of business to be done there. And that was pretty much what I was thinking. I was thinking, you know, we're one of the top tag teams on the independent scene. It's time for us to kind of step into what a lot of people consider the top independent wrestling promotion on that scene. That That's wild. I did not realize that y'all have never tagged against Bussy, considering how often y'all have been on shows with, with the two of them. Um, same with the SGC. I mean, like, that's – I never, I didn't realize that. That's yeah, wild. Like, Kevin's had singles with Effie and Allie both at, at SUP, and then I've had – singles with I had a singles with Manders it's up I had a singles with Manders somewhere else I don't remember who knows where at this point it all flows together over the last seven years uh and then I've had multiple singles matches with Manser singles matches with Justice so I mean it just it's just never happened as a tag and like I said I remember last year when we did four cup stuff like the two moments of the match that a lot of people remember were us doing stuff with Masizos and us doing stuff with Jordan and Nick so to me, like that stuff was where it was at. And I think that, like I said, they've had a lot of the same matchups. They've kind of been somewhat redundant in, in what they've done. So I think that, you know, if we come in, make an impression, I think we're a really good piece of new blood there for the GCW tag team division. Nice. Yeah, that was actually my follow-up question was kind of what you thought your immediate future could look like with GCW. It sounds like it's something that if it, if it goes well, you want to do, you know, pretty regularly going forward with GCW. Yeah, I mean – GCW is the number one show in town. Um, they run the most. They run the biggest variety of cities. So we would love to be there as much as we can. Um, you know, our sights are set on Nick and Jordan. Our sights are set on the tag titles. And that's what we really, you know, have our, our eyes on. You know, we want to wrestle the East West Express. We want to win the tag titles. And, I mean, that's as simple as it is. Yeah. Well, you know, this is a somewhat off topic, but it's a good time to bring it up because we've talked about this moment many times on our show with various guests. And we're talking about tag team wrestling. We're talking about, you know, matchups, you know, and we're talking about Basement East a little bit already, too. Um, I was there live um, for they might be Giants versus Violences Forever um, in the Basement East. There's a very infamous moment in that match that anytime I bring this match up, it gets brought up. The first thing is brought up. That's the one with the bell, right? That's the one with the bell, right? Yeah. Uh, can you speak to that at all? Because, like, you're the oh. guy who threw who, who threw the shot out there. Black, so, like. Black that. I, it's one of those things, like, I remember <laughs> when the GIF got posted. I was, like, super horrified because I didn't remember that part of the match at all. Like, clearly everything else happened in the match. Like, I remember all that. And then that bell shot happened. Like, the GIF of that bell shot came out. I was like, oh, my God. What the fuck? Can I curse? Yeah, you can say yes. whatever. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck did I do? I remember the first thing I did was I messaged Dan. I said, I'm so fucking sorry. I don't remember this being a thing. And he's like, no, it's okay, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, it's really not okay. I feel like a real fucking dickhead. Um, I apologize to him greatly for that. And I think that the only thing that the only thing I can laugh about in that situation was I hit him with the bell, and then I look at my hands 
you know, straight out of Johnny Gargano playbook from, you know, he was my trainer. So it's funny. Yeah. But like, I, that, like I said, that gift got posted and I was just like, Oh my God. I was like, I look like the biggest asshole in the world right now. Like this was not safe. And I, I would like to think I've learned a lot from that. <laughs> Gotcha. Hey, well, for whatever it's worth, I know that you know this already. And a lot of time has passed, obviously, since then. But I interviewed Dan, like, like a couple years ago during the pandemic. Asked him about it. He was like, yeah, just, like, was what it was. And, like, everybody kind of, like, crossed a line to some degree that night. And they were yeah. mad. Like, it was like, so half of them were like, we're not bleeding during this. And, like, right before they went out there, they're like, all right, let's do this. Like, we're going all in on this, you know? Yeah, that was, it was such a weird thing. Because, like, I knew I was going to bleed. And then I think like Marco and Dan were like 50, 50 iffy. And I think Koo was like, well, I'll take the skewers. And then like, I bleed from that. I bleed from that. And then next thing I know, Dan's just got, got so much blood going. I've just got a, a whole, I remember a girl running out of the venue because I was bleeding so much in that match. Like it was, uh, it was interesting. Crazy thing about that is I flew home that night because I had to oh go to work God. the next day. Oh my gosh. And you had, do you have any tax left in your feet? No, that you know what the the tax that beat didn't hurt as much as the tax on my head. I was actually referring to that this weekend at AIW and somebody. Uh, it was when I was getting ready to wrestle Ziggy. I was like, any of these weapons you can hit me with, and I do not care. But do not hit with those tack bats because I hate getting tacks stuck on my head. It hurts so bad. Like uh, what was the bar? What was the barbed wire? Bust every light tube over my head, but don't <laughs> hit me in the head with a tack bat. They hurt so bad. What was the reaction when you showed up to work? The next day. Oh, I always wore my hair down. Uh, <laughs> so like they didn't see it. And then, or I just, I, I pull like the abused person or I'm like, Oh, I just fell in the ring last night. It's no big deal. Like they know I wrestle. So they, right. they were just like, oh, okay. Like it's Dom. The harder one to explain was after the, the first Josh Bishop match, when I had all the holes in my ear from getting skewered in the ear, they were like, what happened to your ear? And I was like, oh, I just slept on, on something the wrong way, you know? Yeah. So, so speaking of these kind of spots, these are, you know, obviously these are some big decisions that are being made. Um, like, is this usually like your idea to do like the, the tax of the feet or like it call or the guest viewers to the ear and these kind of things, is this stuff like you bring to the table or you're just like open to ideas? Um, I'm open to ideas if it makes sense. Like I think right now, currently where we're at in deathmatch wrestling, like too much stuff is just done to do it. And like, as much as I love like Danny and ICW, like a show full of eight death matches is very redundant. Um, and by the eighth match, you don't remember what happened in the first match. So it's real hard to keep doing stuff. And like, I look at stuff like Tremont just getting hurt against Neil Diamond Cutter and being in the hospital from that crazy light to death match and stuff like that. And I think that like quasi the boundaries are getting pushed a little too much. Um, that's why like, I'm like a part-time like hardcore death match type guy now. Um, I just yelled at Josh Bishop for the amazing amount he bled off of next to nothing when he wrestled mm -hmm. Tom the other week. Um, yeah. When it comes to like that stuff, the screws in the ear thing was something was a spot I'd always had planned, but I never had someone that would agree to it. Um, he is definitely you know you shouldn't mention his name because of course his pending legal stuff, but like it was an idea that I had for BJ Whitmer uh, to do with me in our first Smitter Surrender match, and he refused. Said absolutely not, I will not do that to you. Um, and then I never really had another match that made sense for it until the Josh match. And then I knew Josh was going to be game for it. Yeah. So we agreed to do it. Um, it definitely hurt entirely more than I ever thought it would. Because I was like, oh, this is all just dead tissue. This is going to hurt. I was wrong. Um, and then, like, the tax and the feed thing, like, started becoming more in vogue. And then, like, the first time I did it, it sucked. But, like, you kind of figure out how to goose step through and things like that. The only thing that, like, sucks when I was barefoot was 
we did some stuff at like a wrestle rager where it was like me yuda and justice and we did light tubes where we all let fonzie has light tubes and there's light tubes in the ring that shit hurts to walk on with no feet like there's no way to goose step that really like you can't thumbtacks like you can kind of like walk on the sides of your feet with like thumbtacks and you'd be okay but um yeah those spots they have to make sense and they have to come from either like a blood feud to me now or stuff like that because like from like 2019 like most of my 2019 year i did a lot of like hardcore deathmatch etc and it was just too much and now i'm like yeah i'm good with that <laughs> have you done legos no legos i've done legos no okay they did that at a sub match before with uh brickster uh incorporated those i think against uh him and Stokely Hathaway had like a hardcore match at some. Yeah, I think he did with Stokely, and I think he did with Teddy King. Yeah, you're right. You're 100 right, right about that. Wherever Teddy King lies these days. Uh, yeah, we actually talked about Teddy King a little bit because we had Manders on last week, and I was like, dude, that was so random. They've had that whole that whole story based around Teddy for so long, and as Teddy someone as someone who helped write it, you know, as as someone who was on the creative at that point. Uh, when Teddy stopped and quit out of nowhere, it was a, a nightmare for all of us. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you can confirm this. I've heard that he was going to win, I believe, SCI Futures that year. And I believe Man- Manders said he was he was kind of penciled in to become the sub-champion. At one I point. believe that was where we were going to go with it. Um, and then we kind of made all the kind of concessions. Like, I can tell you that there's probably a list of, like, 12 guys that were going to win the subtitle at some point. But it just never worked out. Um and then, like, now, obviously, stuff is so hard to organize for Kevin and I because neither of us live near where the home base is. When I've so, heard that y'all had issues with Live Nation now as well with, like, the venue. Yeah, and, like, that's something that, you know, we see with AIW now. Obviously, I'm so ingrained in AIW, like, with helping John book and things like that. Like, all these venues are getting taken over by Live Nation or Ticketmaster. Like, for example, like, we're doing JLIT at Temple Live in Cleveland, and they're a Ticketmaster venue, and every year we offer like a ticket package for the weekend of three shows. And we refuse to do it this year because if the more expensive the tickets are, the higher the fees are. So we were like, you know what, we're just going to offer all a cart this year and let people choose because it's cheaper on the fees. And like, that's the big live nation thing too, is fees. Like you guys go to a concert, you know, it's a $20 ticket and you pay $45 after all the fees and everything. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I got hit with that with the, we're going to Offspring here in, uh, I, I live in Akron and we're going to Offspring here pretty soon. And yeah, the fees were more than the tickets. You live in Akron? Is, yes, yes. I live in Canton, so like. You legitimately might be like, t- uh, you know, obviously like 15 minutes away from me. Yeah, um, I believe I did that. I just bought tickets to Wonder Years. Uh, oh, Canton, okay. And, uh, I think it's in, uh, it's October. And I remember, like, the ticket was, like, $22. And then I, when I checked out, it was 45 I was like, God, this is wild. <laughs> what a scam, yeah. man. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah, off Offspring's coming to uh, Akron Theater. Uh, oh, and, nice. Like, yeah, August 22nd. So so we're going to that. We live just a few minutes away from there. Right, be, Being in Ohio, I'm not from – I mean, I live in Ohio now. I'm not originally from Ohio. I moved here in uh, 2021. Uh, can you say good things about Ohio besides AIW and the wrestling well, is good? I mean, my whole family's here, so I got to kind of like it. I mean, cheap cost, <laughs> living, cheap cost living, I'll tell you that much. Like, yes. I remember when I when I first got my new apartment and I told Ku and his wife how much it was, they, like, lost their mind. Like, it's so cheap. So, like, cheap cost living's good. Um, I mean, I like our sports here. You know, I like all of our sports teams, no matter how much they break my heart every single season. Uh <laughs> And obviously, you know, 
the ability to have broken in with AIW is another thing that is invaluable, uh, you know, from that Ohio gave us. So, <laughs> um, oh yeah, go ahead, Jeremy. You have any Ohio? Oh. I don't know much about Ohio. Only I, I visited you there for your wedding, and that's pretty much my only Ohio <laughs> experience. I, I was just going to ask you, know, breaking in with AIW training uh, with Johnny Gargano, what was what was all of that like, and how did you just get started with everything? That's a great question. Uh, I tell the story every podcast when they ask me how I got started in wrestling, and it's very funny. So, obviously, you know, if you watch my early matches, you see that like my YouTube background was kind of like my antithesis was, you know, prior to wrestling, I was like major competitor in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, and it was tw- the year was 2015. I had been really running about four years really hard trying to win a world title in Jiu Jitsu. I went up against this guy, um, Andrew Wiltsey, that year, who just smoked me. I had never been smoked like that in a tournament in my life. Uh, Wiltsey won the Pans in the Worlds at our weight class that year, was the only American to do it. He beat all the Brazilians, which was amazing at that time. Now, the playing field's a little more leveled now. Um, and I remember he just buzzsawed me and I was like, you know what, this is like a waste of my time. Uh, just in terms of, I'll never accomplish what I've set out to accomplish. And like, it was one of those moments where like, I had that stark realization of like, I don't need to be spending all my time dedicated to this to not do what I want to do. And it's going to drive me insane. Um, so I remember I took like a week off after the world in 2015. And that was the first time in like two years I had taken a full week off of jiu-jitsu um and i went to raw when i came back to ohio because i was in chicago at the time training and that and when i came back to ohio raw was here and the year leading up to that like 2014 2015 was when kevin owens had debuted nxt he'd gotten called up so quick and like my backstory is like kevin owens was my guy on the indies kevin Steen was like my favorite guy when i was like a 15 year old chubby kid who was like holy shit like this guy's awesome um so, you know, seeing his success, I started getting back into wrestling, trying to figure out all the independent stuff I had missed over like the last like four years of being so ingrained in jujitsu. And I went to Raw in Cleveland. And this would be the night after I believe Money in the Bank, where was it after Money in the Bank or is after Elimination Chamber? And there was like a live MGK concert. And I remember that yeah. <laughs> Owens powerbound MGK off the stage, and like that was like the moment. I was like, you know what? I think I can take everything that I've wanted to do or I wanted to do jiu-jitsu and I can make it into wrestling. And I had been a wrestling fan for years prior. And like, I was going to be a pro wrestler before I ever wanted to be a judoka or like a jujitero or before I wanted to be like an MMA fighter. And I was like, and I'm just, I got into high school wrestling and like pro wrestling took a backside. And that was also like those dark years of WWE where it was like Randy Orton, John Cena main event. It was like so boring. And like, I was just like really out. And then, like when I was 16, I was going to local indie shows, setting up the ring, and like I was going to train. But also at that time, there was a lack of any good school around here. Um, it was a lot of like iffy guys. So let's fast forward. MGK, Powerbomb Stage by Kevin Owens. That night I go home and I search pro wrestling schools, uh, Canton, Ohio. Um, two wrestling schools showed up. One was Mega Championship Wrestling, the other was AIW. And uh, I go check the Twitters. AIW is like posting about Johnny doing NXT extra work. At that time, he dressed like a Paul Cruz in like a dark match. So I was pretty sold, but I had one other confidant. Uh, so back when I was setting up those shows, those rings when I was 16 at these indie shows, there was a referee there. And it just so happened, small world stuff, uh, I ended up coaching his kids in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for like six years after that. Uh, so I asked him, I said, James, I said, if you were in my shoes, I said, where would you go? Would you go to this one or AIW? And he said, 
I've seen what you've done the last four years of jitsu, how hard you've done, worked and, you know, where you want to get. He goes, you're going to need to go to AIW for what you want. Um, and I remember it was a couple weeks before I was able to get started because it was like something happened and that was absolution that first week. So then I went the week after absolution, the one with the crazy 10 man main event that cost like 20 grand that Thor will tell you about. Um, and then I started training in August of 2015. Um, I always asked Johnny and Candice, you know, I was like, what'd you guys think when I came in and Candice like very quickly quips, you had wrestling shoes and qualifiers. She's like, I knew you were going to make it. <laughs> so I started. And then at that time we had two classes, Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, we had a beginner's class followed by an advanced class. And I would come do the beginner's class, sit and watch the entire advanced class and take notes until I was able to do both classes. And then I would do both classes. And uh, obviously Jeremy, you know, you, you know, the kind of like uh, geography here, like Canton and Cleveland's about an hour each way. Um, so that was like the entire thing there. That was August, 2015 and around December of 26, around December, 2015, there were talks of like, they thought maybe I could debut, but they had like this big AIW 10 man, like where it was all the school kids, but it didn't work out. And then I debuted in March of 2016, but you know, breaking with Johnny and Candice is one of the best things that we could have done, especially at that time, because Johnny had just done like two WWE tryouts. So he knew everything the WWE system was looking for. He knew the drills to bring back, which in turn helped me when I took over for the school, when Johnny left, because then I was just able to kind of take Johnny and Candice's blueprint and part a little bit of what I have into it, but use mostly what they taught us. So your your first match, uh, I'm going to tie a couple things here. Your first match, according to, to Cage Match, which I assume is correct. Uh, you can't Britt assume Baker. that, Jeremy. This thing is wrong all the time we talk to people. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but Britt Baker was in this match. And yep. I was at the show last year, um, Gauntlet for the Gold, when yep. she returned to yep. AIW and teamed with you. So having that kind of a, a full circle thing where your first match is with Britt, she comes back. Now she's of course well-established on television, comes back, teams with you. I think Josh told the story of when she returned, like you guys didn't, didn't really know, or, or you knew at like very late in the game, but Britt was like very kind and also just donated her, her money to everyone else on the card. She didn't want to get paid for it. She yeah. wanted everyone else to get paid. So, so obviously this is great timing for this because, you know, the internet's running wild with Britt Baker stories that are yeah. unfounded, untrue. Britt is one of the realest people I've ever met in wrestling. Um, she still will call, she'll still text and talk to us. I know she talks to John on a pretty regular basis. Um, but, you know, Britt, when I started, Britt started coming around shortly thereafter because I was there August. So she started coming around in September, October. Uh, it was right after she'd done the WWE tryout, and they had told her, hey, we we think you should go to AIW and train with Johnny and Candice. So she would come up a couple days a week, and obviously this is while she's in dental school, and she's driving two hours each way. So, I mean, that showed you how much, you know, she wanted it, and then, you know, she'd come in there, run all the drills with us, do everything. And obviously, you know, we were scrapping wrong to some really shitty shows when we started compared to what she was able to get on right off the rip. But, you know, she was always there. She was always working. Um you know, we were always trying to figure out ways to incorporate her, you know, as one of the students, you know, and, you know, she would always send me stuff to watch of hers. What can I do better? How can I be better? And she did that up until she was signed. Um, you know, the anytime AEW is in town, you know, she hangs out with us. She talks to us and, 
know, obviously that gauntlet story last year, as Josh told it, is very, you know, we knew late, we figured out very late in the game that it was going to happen. She had wanted to do it for about a year, but it was hard to get the logistics. And then it just, everything worked out perfectly. Like we had the, we had the, the deal with me and Cardona and then Cardona had a whole crew and Chelsea wanted to work Brit again. And that hadn't happened in a while. So it all just worked out perfectly. It was like the perfect, like John books, everything duh, and it had to be very ECW style. And it was like such a good ECW style angle of like me and Cardona start. I'm about to win. PME comes out, attacks me. And then, okay. Rip city comes out, we even the odds. And then, oh, Chelsea takes out Rip City. Oh, no. And then here comes Brit. It's all, like, this big thing. I The only thing I do remember was there was a very, like, large, like, spattering in our office chat of what music she should come out to. And I remember Steve Guy, the ring announcer, was like, oh, she's got to come out to, you know, her old Iron Man theme. I'm like, absolutely no, she doesn't. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you're not going to play to, like, the people who watched her here. I was like, you're going to play to the big crowd. I was like, she has to come out to, you know, the doctor can see you now. And Obviously, she came out one of the loudest pops ever, and you know, I I find myself super blessed that I've been a, I was a part of two big AEW to AEW returns. I was part of that one, and then when Kingston came back, and Eddie and I wrestled on that AIW show back in April of 2021. No one knew um, that was just like 120 people sounded like a thousand that night. But you know, same thing though. Britt, she came, she donated her meet and greet back to the company because she owes she in her mind she owes so much to you know what she was able to learn at the school plus what you know john and all of us helped her with and then you know everybody's in the match she doesn't need the money so she's just like you know what i'm just going to spread it up, up across these guys who were in the match and like i said honestly one of the realest people i've ever met and still like to this day you know takes care of us when her, her theme hit but good call on using the AEW theme and yeah, not yeah, the Iron, sure. Iron Man theme because this weekend that was our first AIW show it was uh, myself and my wife and you know we're, we're watching it and the music hits and my wife doesn't know anything about Brit's time and like AIW or anything yeah. but she hears the doctor will see you and just oh, yeah. immediate big pop reaction for that had Iron Man hit she would have been like who is this who is coming out because gauntlet for the gold they bring back like a, a lot of people and everything mm -hmm. and the music hits and because she doesn't follow it or anything she's like i yeah. don't really know people are excited for these people but she did not know who they were yeah. it, a aw theme hits she, she's up she's cheering <laughs> it's funny it was like any music has always been like such a struggle for me because like in aw when i started like i had like six different themes and then i settled on something and I, it was run the jewels uh blockbuster night and like it was really over and then like when i turned heel i wanted to change it and then Kevin and I started using zombie and it got so over. So then I wanted to use zombie. And then Thorne was like, Hey, I don't like zombie for you here. It's too slow. It's a whole different argument for a different day. <laughs> uh, so then when I came back from my injury, I was like, they were like, well, what do you want? Cause I had been using self-esteem, but uh, a cover of self-esteem. Uh, and I was like, you know what, let's go back to run the jewels. And I really learned the importance of how everybody remembers that song for me and how like it is. So that's my big thing is like, you, you got to have that entrance music and you got to have the entrance music that people know. Yeah. Well, and kind of tying in with that, like not just like the entrance music, but like just kind of the whole, your whole presentation, everything you're very um like diverse in what you can, uh, you can bring to the table as far as like your, your legitimate jujitsu background, um, mm -hmm. like just martial arts in general. You're, I know you're a big fan of mixed martial arts and I've seen you in a bunch of different styles of matches for different companies, like the UWFI rule style matches and 
all the different companies all over. Um, it's a, in fact, as a matter of fact, this, you know, you just mentioned Kevin Owens being your, your guy on the Indies, Kevin Steen. Um, my brother isn't a big wrestling fan, but he sees a lot of wrestling because he's just around me so often. I watch a lot of independent wrestling, obviously. You are one of his favorite wrestlers because oh, he just he just seen you so many times. Like every time so there was a stretch of time where every time I watched IWTV for like years straight, he would he'd be like, Yeah, that, that's my dude right there. Like it didn't matter. <laughs> it, 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 it'd be like it was like he was just this thing. That's my guy right there. You're always always rooting for you. So um can you speak to kind of like how important that is too to just be like diverse and what you can you know bring to the table like stylistically and everything yeah yeah i think that's that's a great point to bring up i i think that the most important thing is like you like you said being able to do a little bit of everything um and i try to really stress this to the kids at the aw school like you don't want to be pigeonholed and only being one thing and that was probably what i was most scared about when i first started was i was really nervous about being pigeonholed and just being the shooter guy um, and honestly for a little bit, I was, uh, but my goal throughout everything was to kind of work through that and show, you know, a variety in my work. And I think that I have, and that actually kind of comes to a point that I just brought up to paradigm recently. I, I was talking with Gary, the promoter. I was like, I'm really just like overdoing UWFI stuff right now. I think I've shown everything I can show in it. Um, I'll help agent the stuff if you need it, but it's just not a style I really want to do right now. Um, I think people forgot here that I, I'm a really good wrestler um, and stuff like that. But, you know, being able to, you know, have a bunch of different tools and, and the tool belt, as, you know, someone would say, makes me, or really any wrestler for that matter, able to kind of be booked more and be worth more to any kind of company. Um, because I can go out there and I can have a really grapple-heavy match, or I can go out there and I can have a really strike-heavy match. But then also because Johnny and Candace trained me, I know how to do a lot of spots and I know how to like set matches up like that. So it really kind of makes me just, like I said, kind of like a multi-threat, like a multi, like, like a five tool player to a point for those sports fans that like they call five tool players. Someone's able to do a little bit of everything. I'm able to do a little bit of everything. There's definitely stuff that I do struggle at and like that I would know I would struggle at. Like I'm not going to be your biggest Lucha guy in the world, but um I know at least a little bit of Lucha. I know how to base. I know how to do stuff like that. Um, and that's the idea is that if you kind of are able to bring a lot of stuff to the table, then you're a lot more attractive to almost everybody. And I've had multiple people be like, man, like it's wild to like watch you do like this crazy technical match, but then you can have this crazy, awesome, hardcore match. And I don't know, probably because I watch a lot of wrestling and I've watched a lot of wrestling since I was like 12 where it was like, oh, well, here's this. And it probably comes back from like watching like older CZW and IWA and ROH, where there was just so much variety on those shows that it wasn't just like high spot match, high spot match, high spot match. Like an old 2002 CZW show was like, okay, well, here's your high spot Jack Evans match. And then here's your like kind of really cool uh, Kevin Steen match. And then here's your death match with like Zandig and Lobo and Wifebeater and Necro. And then like, hey, here's a really good Roderick Strong match on top of it. So it's like, realistically like a lot of people talk about like this like weird golden age of the indies but like there's not a lot of gonna be like i don't know if we'll ever have the kind of like talent we had on the indies from like 2002 to like 2010 before the big signing booms happened because at this point and thorn will tell you this too like anybody gets over they get signed at this point whether it be the aw wwe new japan's bringing more guys in now with visas opening up so it, it's it's harder for it's harder for the scene to maintain more than anything. Well, and kind of on top of that, like, what's it like you, cause I mean, y'all, 
as you guys are so impressive. I, 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 I compare y'all often to um, teams like Red Dragon mm-hmm. and uh, teams like the Motor City Machine Guns and the fact that, like, individually or as a tag team, you and Kevin, like, you, you're constantly booked either as a singles or a tag team, and you can be put in any position. It's always going to be a match that you can rely on. It's going to be – it can be anywhere on the card. It can be any for any title, and people are always going to be into it. Like, but obviously you have to build that reputation to, mm-hmm. to get in that spot. I guess, like, how important is it, I guess, just to, like, the willingness to get in a car and just yeah. go places and get booked? Because I know there's a lot of risk-reward to that where, like, yeah. you might, you might, I mean, there, you might lose a lot of money. You might mess mm-hmm. up your, your full-time job. There's a lot of intangibles there where you might not make it. But the the, the reward, if you do, is obviously that that's the dream for so many of y'all. 100%. One of the biggest lessons I learned straight out, out of the, the gate for wrestling came from John Thorne. Uh, he told me, always have a shoot job because you never know when you're going to be slow. You never know when you're going to be hurt. So you have to have something that you can back, that you have a backup plan with. Uh, so I, you know, I was super blessed in 2016, like right as I debuted, I started a new job. I've worked at that job every day since I debuted. Um, they're very open with schedule. They're very open with everything. So that's helped me out. Um, but traveling is the key. It's the complete key to becoming a better wrestler. Uh, I did a seminar with Regal and he said, guys, the greatest wrestler in the world probably never left his territory. And it's true. There, there, there are a lot of great wrestlers that just don't leave their area. Um, and you know, that be for a number of things, but I always kind of stress to everybody that wrestling is the most expensive hobby you could probably pick up. One of the most expensive hobbies you could pick up until you sign a, a contract that pays you a livable wage, um, whether that be with WWE, AEW, New Japan, etc. But until then, this is a hobby and it's very fucking expensive. Uh, it's expensive to travel. It's expensive to get nice gear made. It's expensive to diet right. Uh, it's expensive to go to the gym. It's expensive to do a million things. Um, and you're going to eat a lot of shit. Okay. But the biggest thing I tell anybody is you have to, you have to learn to eat shit, but not like the taste of it because you have to eat shit to start. And then you're like, you know what? Shit doesn't taste that good anymore. And I'm better than this. So you know what? Now I want a bologna sandwich. And then you got to go from the bologna sandwich and you say, you know what? I'm real fucking tired of bologna sandwiches. You know, I like a hamburger and then I'm tired of hamburgers. I want a steak, so on and so forth. Um, I did a lot of seminars uh, with Evolve when I first started because to me, ROH Golden Era Gabe is like what I grew up watching. So I, one of my main goals when I started wrestling was to work for Evolve. And I remember one thing that Gabe said that always resonated with me was um, that wrestling is like getting a doctorate. When you think about it, you go to school, you get your undergrad, you graduate wrestling school, right? That's your, however long. And then you spend the next seven years getting your doctorate doing internships, making very little money, sacrificing a lot to end up getting hopefully that big position at, you know, as a doctor. Uh, and I really, that was one of the things I always took from those seminars that really kind of made me think um, and remember. And then obviously it ended up paying off for me as I worked almost a full year for Evolve, got to work, you know, with Ring Conf a lot, got to work with, you know, Drake and Henry. That's where I first met Drake and Henry. Um, got to work with Yehi, got to work with Jaka, you know, all kinds of Darby, got to work with Darby a bunch. So, you know, that was great. Um, and Biggins always told me something that also resonated with me. So I, I always reference Thorne and Biggins because those guys are like 
top tier mentors in wrestling for me. But Biggins always told me, you learn how to wrestle in wrestling school and you learn how to work on the road. And that always stuck with me because you can, you know, I know what works in AIW and like, I don't have to change it up, but what works in AIW might not work at ETU. What works at ETU might not work at C4. What works at C4 might not work at DPW. So you have to learn and go on the road and like the territories in the most sense of like the E's territories are dead. But if you're a smart independent wrestler, you treat the current indie scene like the territories because you are not going to work wrestling open like you work New South. They're completely different. And if you're traveling and you're doing that work, you're going to figure out how, how to do that stuff. Um, and that's the biggest thing. Um, the other big thing, too, you talk about losing money. I, I tell every kid, you're going to lose a lot of money to start. But you have to figure out ways to offset that. Um, biggest thing I tell everybody is pay to have good merch design. Uh, don't have some shitty, my buddy from high school made me this and Adobe Illustrator t-shirt. Spend $100 have a great t-shirt design made that can also then be made into a sticker because if you do that and there's that you know find where the best place to get your eight by tens printed are i can tell you right now it's a place called sharkprints.com <laughs> they are the best place to get your eight by tens printed they're cheap they're high quality and you're going to make money on them you know hey who makes pins who makes pins Pollyanna make, makes pins they're cheap they sell so these things you have to figure out ways to offset that the other way to offset that is, you know, if you come from a school like AIW, I say you guys need to have four guys that you guys can pitch every promotion and say, hey, this is my call to four guys. We can work anybody on your card or we can work each other and we can do great. Here's the price for the car plus gas. And that's the biggest thing is, is all those things are the ways to kind of offset that. Um, because I'll, I'll circle back to Gabe. Gabe was at the Prestige show where we wrestled the Wolves. And he pulled me aside. And obviously, I hadn't seen Gabe in like maybe two years. Honestly, the last thing he had said to me was hit me up to do some single stuff and evolve right after he had, I was done with man doing the Stokely thing. And I never hit him back up because I had started the tag team and I, it had gotten over so well. And then the pandemic happened. They got hired by the WWE. So, of course, I just never had the chance to talk to him. So he pulled me aside and was in, and Kevin at that time too. And he goes, uh, You guys are on like this crazy run right now. He goes, you guys are one of the most recognizable tag teams on the Indies. He goes, what do you credit your your success to? And I told him, I said, well, I said, I look at it a lot like the Young Bucks used to look at wrestling. Or when we started, we looked at it like the Young Bucks did. We are hard to book at that time because Kevin lived in Nashville. I live here. We live eight hours apart. That is not very logistically sensical for a promoter to pay a high rate plus both sets of trans at that point. We were a new tag team. So what would we do? We would tell a promoter and we'd say, hey, pay our trans and we will impress you enough with our performance and we will sell enough merch that we will make money on the show. And we did that. We did that for about a year. And then we got over everywhere. And then it was like, okay, hey, remember that trans only thing? Well, we want trans plus this. And then it went better and better and better. And now we're at to the point where we don't feel guilty saying, hey, flight from Chicago, flight from Cleveland or flight from Canton, Cleveland, wherever, Plus our rate, they no box, no box at it now, and that's the thing. But it wasn't that wasn't an overnight thing. You know, we had to eat that shit to get to this point. You know where we are now, um, and I think that a lot of wrestlers when they start, just because wrestling is so easily accessible to get into now, it's not like it was even in the early two thousands. It's there's a wrestling school within an out within two hours of everybody now, and you can get in there and. You know, people ask, how long until I'm on SmackDown? How long until I'm on AEW? And it's like, 
that's not how this works, man. Unless you're an immensely talented human being that also has a hook, like you're not going to get signed right away. Like you're going to have to grind out and this is what it's like. I tell every kid who comes in this wrestling school, I said, I need you guys to read Mick Foley's first autobiography. I need you guys to read, uh, I need you guys to read Chris Jericho's first autobiography. And then I have like another recommended set of books to, to read too. And I'm like, these are the guys you guys need to see because this is what the journey is really like. It's not, you know, Darby Allen is one in one in a million, you know, seven matches on evolved, signed, making millions of dollars. You know, everybody looks at Orange Cassidy, everybody forgets that, you know, Orange has been wrestling for 15 years. And he's just now finally where, where you know, he's at this crazy point of making money. Like Mick Foley had been wrestling for, you know, almost 12 years before he got his third B run, you know? And people don't look at that. You know, we live in such a world of instant gratification that somebody comes in, they pay for us in school. They want to be over right away. And that just, it just doesn't work like that. It's just, this isn't the kind of business where that is. There's no show business. that's like that. When you think about it, no entertainment industry. It's like that. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've been, I've been along with you for the ride, man. I've, I've got a sad comp t-shirt here in my apartment somewhere. So I, you know, I, uh, I, I remember, I remember when you did the whole rebrand and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, that was, uh, well, and that's, and, and it's funny because I was just bringing that up to somebody last week. Uh, obviously, you know, we wrestled the Bang Bros a bunch last year, and they're gonna have to go through a rebrand themselves. Yeah. Obviously, getting a C and D. And I kind of told some some people. I said if they, I said if they really wanted to make the most of this, this is their time to be taken, you know, very seriously. I, I don't know what the name would be that they should use, but rebranding into something that isn't ha ha is going to be key for them. Well, especially yeah, because so many people are their eyes are on them right now. Like this is a big yeah, story. Yeah, hundred percent. You're awesome. And I will say that, I mean, some people probably were like, oh, that name is very stupid. And that's why we will not book you because your name is stupid. And we, people think that's silly, but truthfully, that is a big thing. People are like, God, these names, like, if you have a bad name, people are just like, yeah, not into it. Well, especially if you're on show. I mean, I understand, especially if you're on shows with kids and they're like, Googling yeah, oh, yeah. You. I mean, like that's, I mean, I, I completely understand that for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we were, I mean, I don't know if Kevin really got into our kind of discussion of like, our rebranding of our name, but like literally Ozzy Open was like, you guys need to change your name. <laughs> they're like, yeah. like, you guys are too good to have this dumb of a name. <laughs> yeah. That is pretty much what he is. That's what he told us. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really funny. Um, yeah. Something else. Kyle like- and Mark were just like, yeah, they're like, we couldn't, you guys couldn't go to England right now and wrestle because they would just laugh at you. And like, it's funny. The first time we went to Germany for WXW, they chanted Satcom at us, but like they quickly stopped. But like, that was, it was honestly, and that's another big thing. Like I attributed our success to like, we were like pretty good. Like we were getting booked remotely well prior to the name change. But once the name change happened, it was like everywhere. Yes. Well, and one, one other thing Kevin told us too, that you, you kind of touched on just a second ago that I don't want to miss is you mentioned being a big fan of like golden era ring of honor. Uh, Kevin told us that, you know, it's a big goal of his to, to wrestle for ring of honor, mm-hmm. like on a consistent basis, especially um, is that you know, something that you we would love to do? Um, is yeah. be a part of Ring of Honor? Yeah. Uh, you know, when Tony bought Ring of Honor, uh, I think Kevin and I texted that night, and like that was like one of our big goals. I don't necessarily. Sometimes I don't necessarily know if we fit the AEW every every week TV model per se, um, but I do know that we would fit AEW or Ring of Honor and what you know Tony says our Ring of Honor is about what is somebody asked him at the last presser you know after death before time they said what is Ring of Honor who's Ring of Honor for and he said the hardcore wrestling fan I don't think that anybody appeals to the hardcore wrestling fan on a tag team basis more than Kevin and I right I, so to me I think that you know we fit in really well there I think that they have teams there that we 
you know, have proven that we work very well with. I mean, the workhorse man and us, yeah. you put us on a card and we're going to tear it up no matter what. I think us in the kingdom would be great. I think that us in the infantry could probably do good work together. I know Kevin and Carly had a really good match last year on Uncharted Territory. So, like, I look at that. Obviously, I know we can tear it up with Ozzy Open. We've done it twice. So, I look at that tag division and I know that we could be very good there. You know, and I can tell you that, like, obviously, Kevin and I are, you know, trying to take every medium we can to get there. Um, you know, we have a new strength conditioning coach, the same one, both of us. So hopefully he helps us get, you know, there, you know, former pro wrestler, Eric Stevens. There we go. Is, so he, still, he, is, is he still killing it with the, uh, with like the treat business that he's doing? So this is the craziest pivot you're ever going to hear. The treat business closed. Uh, he fell into a very sad state and now he's like a personal trainer, uh, fitness guru who doesn't eat sugar products anymore. you got to be kidding me. Wait, nope. what? It's total pivot. 110% pivot. Uh, him and I talk multiple times a week. Obviously, like I said, he's my strength conditioning coach uh, and does a lot of some of my nutrition for me too. Uh, but yeah, so he just, I remember getting the message lab right before the second comeback where he's like, hey, we're closing the shop down. And I was like so sad for him. And it, obviously it affects him a lot deeper than I thought. And then, you know, after Jay Briscoe had passed away, he told me, he's like, I'm done wrestling now. He goes, I just don't want time away from my family. And during this time, he took a super hard pivot and was like, he's lean. He's as lean as he's ever been. He's like almost single digit body fat. He, he has cut almost all refined sugars out. So the only time he's eaten sugar in the last like seven months was the two times he's gone on vacation because it's like his motto is like you diet as hard as you can. There's no cheat days, but vacation. If you if your diet, what do you say? I think he said, if you diet 340 days out of the year, then there's, you know, 12 days that you can just kind of go buck wild. And those are vacation days. Take those vacation days. So yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's opened up a service where he's helping professional wrestlers kind of achieve body goals. Um, you know, so he's been, you know, Kevin and I were two of his first clients and, you know, I have lost almost 10 pounds already uh, in the almost month I've been working with him. So, you know, working towards that, working towards all those goals. And obviously, you know, cosmetic business. I do feel, though, that even though, like, I'm not a six-pack abs guy, neither is Kevin, I do think that there's a spot in wrestling for that. I think that if everybody is jacked, everybody has crazy abs, there's no relatability. I think that's – I'll throw back to Steen. You know, I bring all this together. If you go to a wrestling, if you go to a WWE show, who are most fans dressed like? Kevin Owens, Bray Wyatt, because they're the everyman. They're relatable. They're very Dusty Rhodes like. And I do think that like too much of the last you know twenty years of wrestling has gone away from at least having a little bit of the everyman on the roster and gone towards only having jacked athletes that are unattainable. Yes, there's a reason Jimmy Lloyd is is like is who he is. I mean, yeah. like, I see Jimmy Lloyd now. I'm like, dude, I if, I feel like if he can do it, I can do it. Then I see him do it, and I'm like, I could never do the stuff this guy does. This is incredible, exactly. and I, I love seeing that's, that. That's a lot of us, but yeah, like back to ROH, like that would be like kind of like one of the bigger end games. I think like either Ted and I had a big talk about about a month ago, and our our big end game is like signed ROH or you know touring Japan on a pretty regular basis, whether it be with Noah, New Japan, somewhere along those lines. 
I was going to mention that Eric Stevens, he's working with uh, Malachi, Malachi Black, who's mm-hmm. opening like a new kind of gym. Malachi mentioned that on his podcast. And he he mentioned Eric Stevens, like Eric Stevens, the, the wrestler is now mm-hmm. doing this. So yeah, yeah I knew he was into like the training stuff. He's going to do fitness for Malachi there, but he's also going to teach some wrestling classes because when yeah. he decided to step away, I kind of told him, I was like, spend time with your family. I was like, you can live vicariously through others, you know, and he considers Kevin and I, you know, wrestling kids of his. So I said, I said, take our success and roll with it. I said, and then I said, if you have the wrestling need, I said, when Tommy, because we call him Tommy, I said, when Tommy opens the school, I said, use that as your wrestling outlet. And I think that's his game plan. There you go. Um, you, you mentioned Japan and potentially touring there regularly. You went over to Japan with DPW. So kind of a couple of questions here. One, talk to me a little bit about DPW. Uh, when I messaged John Blood and I was like, hey, I want to get some some DPW guys on. He's like, message Kevin and Dom, see if they'll do it. They, they bleed orange and black. Those were his exact words to me. Uh, Kevin, Kevin had very kind things to say about DPW, saying it's like the modern day kind of ROH with just like the production and the style and everything. Um, and then, yeah, when they went over there to to work with uh, Gata Move um, earlier this year, you were you were part of that as well. So DPW experience and then kind of on top of that Japan experience. Yeah, so I guess I was on like one of the initial lists of like original DPW guys with Kevin. And obviously DPW kind of formed and started when I was out. Uh, so they were like, hey, we're going to still bring Kevin in. And then, you know, Kevin came in for a while. I came back. There was like some issues with a couple of the dates. So I wasn't able to do a couple of them. And then finally we debuted with that workhorseman draw last might've been, was it was either August or September last year. September. September. Yeah. September. It was, we did that workhorseman draw. And then from there, it was just kind of like a build from there. Um, you know, it was a, it was kind of like a perfect marriage from the start. Um, I see a lot of myself and a lot of my wrestling views in John and James. Um, and, you know, the time we got to spend in Japan, you know, I consider those guys actually like very close friends now. Um, there's a lot of times where John and I just DM each other, just totally random stuff that will only pop us. Um, <laughs> but, you know, from the moment I stepped in the door at DPW, I could tell it was different from most indies. Most indies you go to, you get there, you sit down, you call your match, you do whatever. You know, I get there. First of all, they're right there to, to say hi to me. Then they said, Hey, can you get your gear on? We want to go uh, film these, you know, these like essentially this B-roll footage of you guys like warming up because we're going to do a package. And if you ask me to do that and I know that it's going to go into something, absolutely. I'm all in. And, you know, they had all these ideas and then, you know, they had a storyline idea right there. Like there wasn't like, Hey, we might bring you guys next show. There was, Hey, okay. Draw here, this, then that, that, that. Um, and I think that there was probably a longer a longer story to get us to the tag titles, but I think due to some of like scheduling stuff, it was easy. It was just like December was the time. And then, you know, Japan came along and I mean, it can't, can't speak enough good stuff about, you know, the week we got to spend there. Honestly, I wish I would have gotten to spend a little bit more time there, but I took two and a half weeks off last year to go to Europe and I almost lost my job because of it. So I was very specific. Hey guys, this is my time schedule. Uh, but something else I would have probably changed about the Japan trip is I would have gone out there earlier, but Kevin and I had already had two or Kevin and I had already had one match as a tag team that we had been wanting. We wanted to wrestle West coast wrecking crew for a long time. So we had that set up. And then the day after I was wrestling Fred Rosser for AIW in my hometown or in Akron. So it was like those Akron shows like are like a big thing for me because 
it's like the only shows my parents come to. It's like a lot of like my friends come that don't come to other shows. So it was that. So I would have in the future, like if like we do like an DPW like Japan tour and like I have the time, I I would try to schedule nothing so I could go out like Thursday. Um, but man, just wrestling in Japan was so was so fucking cool. Um, it was like a big bucket list thing for me. Um, it was a double bucket list thing for me too because like that was a place where Biggins always wanted to go. Um, so the chance to go there, wrestle there, do the stuff that I know he would have wanted to do, like go to Totocon and also go to Disney or Disney Tokyo, uh, were big things. Um, and just like DPW as a whole, it's just such a, it's such a next level indie when you think about it. Um, just on a number of things. One, they've cultivated a crazy, like a crazy awesome fan base that wants to support them in whatever and everything they do. So look at like that Ridgefield Park show. Have you ever seen that many people at the Mecca? I, I have not. I've been on many shows at the Mecca where I walk in the door and I want to walk out because I'm like, oh. And they they packed it and the fans were loud and raucous all night. Um, you look at their production. I mean, they spend all this money on lights. They spend the money on the production packages. I mean, they pay a lot of money to have Rich Pacini, who is like the formative voice of NXT for me, and Caprice Coleman, the current announcer for Ring of Honor, as their commentary team. Uh, you look at the, the the way they film. Harry Aaron is quite possibly the best guy in wrestling when it comes to in terms of lighting, things like that, for pictures and things like that. You look at Tony D come. They pay Tony D to come out and do the highlight videos for all the shows. I mean. They jokingly say it on on their podcast, but they're they're true. No one's doing it like DPW does it in, in terms of that. And realistically, if they wanted to, and there was interest for a company, in my opinion, like an independent company and end up with a TV show, one of the first companies that I would tell a TV producer to look at would be DPW. Just because, like I said, they care so much about all the little details. Like, you come to the show, they have a promo they want you to cut, they have promos they want you to cut after, and they tell you what it is. It's not just like, oh, hey, if we could get a promo, that'd be great. They'd be like, hey, go change your gear. We want this. And everybody that comes knows that. And you don't have any, <laughs> you don't have any like pushback on it. As someone who has to go wrangle people for promos at AIW now because we've added so much production into AIW on fight, I can tell you it's not <laughs> easy. But, you know, when you facilitate a really good environment of people that want to work and get better and do that, it's there. And, you know, when we spent that week in Japan with Tony uh james and johnny we were really able to see what their what their real vision for dpw was and it made us buy in even more um and you know we know what they want and obviously you know we're looking at beast coast coming up here in two weeks with us versus the motor city machine guns you're looking at uh kevin knight and kevin blackwood versus the workhorsemen so two phenomenal tag team matches uh shigahiro irie uh, Bojack, I forgot who is Jay Malachi, Jay Malachi in a three-way. I mean, just the talent they're bringing in for this show. Killer Kelly versus Emmy Sakura. Come on. Like there's not much there. And they're one of the few companies that I think doesn't need a 10 pole, like fight TV or IWTV to prop themselves up. They've created such an amazing fan base through the podcast and through goodwill of just having great shows that they are one of the few companies left that can run their own on-demand service and do very well. They remind me a lot of progress, uh, pre-pandemic progress, pre-selling out to the WWE progress, where it was like you were really pumped to see that progress show 
after the live crowd talked about it. I think that they've cultivated a base just like that. Have a, ha, I don't know if there's something that really is anything that really like affects you directly or not, but as somebody, I'm just kind of curious to know as somebody who performs so many different places and it, not only that, just as a trainer and help, you know, booking and everything that you do, like, you mentioned, you know, IWTV, Fight Plus, you know, all these streaming platforms. Have you had any, like, can you speak at all to, like, is there any, like, as a performer, how you're kind of, you, you, I, I, there, it's weird this space we're in right now because for a while yeah. everything was IWTV pretty much. Everything was mm-hmm. all there. And I know things change and you see it happen with, like, with Twitch and YouTube and uh, streaming and, and all the different apps and everything. But as, like, a wrestler who's so involved on everything, is there anything you can speak of to like the platform, like good experience, bad experience or anything kind of like, you know, along with that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, truthfully, the experience for like IWTV and fight is, is very similar. I think that their bases are similar. I think that we're in a weird spot where I think that when we were first in the pandemic and like, let's say like ICW parking lot shows mixed with GCW hundred person shows on fight, I think, and then IVTV started doing more. I think that your numbers on IVTV were insane at that point. I think their subscriber base was higher. But I think once the world started opening back up, I think that everything started dying down. And, like, I think most wrestlers will tell you this. My social media interactions post-show were, like, all-time highs during the pandemic. And now that we're out of that, it's much lower. And I just think that that's just an ebb and flow of just kind of everything. I think in general, too, just, like, a lot of talent has been signed. And I, I mean, the, we'll get in the once every three month discussion are the Indies dead. The Indies are never going to die in a formal sense, but I mean, there is very little argument to me, especially as someone who helps book a top level Indie. It's hard to find a ticket mover. That isn't just a, a pure independent wrestler. That's not a, a legend or a new Japan guy or something along those lines. I, I don't really think that there's much of that. I think there's great talent. I think you go look at guys like Brian Keith, Alec Price, guys like that, like, and they might push a little bit, but it comes down to like dollar. It's dollars and cents versus dollars and cents. Uh, when it comes to it, like, can I book Shaw Mason? Who's going to sell his family 25 tickets and I'm going to make that gate money. Or do I book Brian Keith who has X amount on his rate plus a flight from Texas, a hotel for the night, et cetera. You know, for most Indies, that's where you got to look at, the money um and i think that that for a long time indies didn't look at that i think that they just looked at hey 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 streaming 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 and now i think that people are completely changed on that at least promoters wise they're saying okay they're saying what's the localized talent to this area if i'm running this area like the gcw uh or you know what can i build from within um and i think that like while streaming over the last year has gotten better from thing for everyone involved i think IWTV has gotten better at it. I think Fight Plus has been great for all the companies that went there. Um, I just think that, like, for us as wrestlers, though, we always want to be seen live because your most interactions are going to be off that. Uh, We all got into wrestling to be noticed, whether anybody wants to admit it or not. If they tell you that I didn't go into wrestling to get noticed, you're full of shit. (laughs) Um, So you like that instant gratification of going to your phone after your match, hitting Twitter, and seeing all the notifications. Um, And I'll tell you, like, there are, there are companies that record that that's not always the case. Like 
for DPW. Usually your gratifications come a week after when they put that show on demand. But I'm fine with that when it comes to DPW because it's getting gift like crazy. Um, people are sharing the gifts and people are interacting with it. Uh, C4 is very similar. So C4, it's so hard for them to stream live because of just kind of their locale. Um, so usually that comes uh, like a few days later. Uh, but it all just depends. Um, it, uh, we all, we all just want, we all just want our, our recognition for what we've done. It must have been maddening, and you can go into more detail on this if you'd like to. You don't feel like you have to, but it must have been maddening, maddening from that sense working for MLW then when y'all were because they would, they would, they would tape stuff like half a year in advance, and then like now they're finally catching up a little bit. Yeah. Like you know, now it's like airing a little bit closer, and their pay per views are finally live on Fight Plus. You know, but. While y'all were there, it was like, there's all this buzz for VIF being an MLW. We all want to see you make a run for the tag titles. And then, like, we're sitting there waiting to watch it, waiting to watch it. Finally airs, and then y'all are gone. And it's like, oh. Yeah, it's so... Obviously, the time when we were in MLW was a very interesting time period. Uh, I was signed in September of 2019. Clearly, in February 2020, something called the pandemic happened. Um, so it got interesting. Um so there's that you look at like I got signed in September. Kevin got signed in pretty much January. Um, I did. I just had, there were so many creative directions for me when I first started. And like, there was 98 pitches that were all sounded awesome to me when I started. Uh, <laughs> I was going to come and I was going to work all the shooters. I was going to work Davey boy. I was going to work uh, Thatcher. I was going to work with Tom. And there was talks like, Hey, maybe we'll put you with Tom. And then the first pay-per-view happened. I was on the pre-show with Douglas James at the time. We did this three-way tag. That was a total nightmare to call. Um, and then we had the match and we did TV tapings the next week. And Douglas and I did like another tag match, but then they're like, okay, they're like, well, we're going to, we're going to put you with Tom. It was a graphic that tape. Like, we're going to put you with Tom. And I was like, okay, great. And then it was like, Tom and I become a team and we did the really great angle in Texas with me, Tom and Eric. Yeah. And then the pandemic happened and then everything got really weird because there was, they were actually going to put the tag titles on Tom and I before they signed Kevin um, because they were like, Hey, we want to put the tag titles on, you know, you and Tom and then Tom signed with PFL and then he had these fights lined up. So I was like, Oh, okay, well that's kind of out and we'll figure out what we're going to do. Well, then the pandemic happened. So, when the pandemic happened, it was like, okay, reset. And then when the pandemic happened was when they signed Kev and they were like, Hey, so then we did these vignettes because they were doing like those weird, like MLW kind of like, I don't remember what they called them. Uh, where they're like, okay, so court would call and text me weekly at that point of like where we wanted the tangle to go. So the idea was in court to his genius, like sometimes court's one of the biggest geniuses in wrestling court was like, what do you have near you landscape wise? And I was like, well, I have a forest, like kind of like a forest in my backyard. He goes, can you act like you're in the forest looking for the next big fighter? He goes and act like the savages are, are, are like chasing. I was like, yeah, sure. That's fine. So then the whole deal was that we did the deal where I was looking for this and then Tom couldn't find me. And then we, Tom, Eric and Kevin were all on a black label show. So it was perfect. We all come out of this forest scape and or we come out of this forest scape and Kevin's there and it's like, okay. So then pandemic is kind of like not quasi ending, but, Court finally has a date for us. We have, you know, three whole days of taping in Orlando, which these tapings were the worst. Um, I don't think you will find a single soul that was at these tapings that will not say that they sucked. Uh, and it was no proponent of MLW. It was just what we had to do at the time. Uh, 
each day we had to be there at 8 a.m. And the first two days, Kevin and I were there from 8 a.m. till 10 p.m. Uh, because the first day we were the main event with the Von Erickson and chain match. The second night, the second day, we were with Tom, who was in the finals of the Opera Cup with Loki as his corner. And then the second day was the day we filmed Filthy Island, which we had to be there early for, an hour earlier. So we were there at 7 that day because they were afraid it was going to rain. And it was just like, that was also the week after like the, what I referred to as the COVID collective where everybody got COVID. Yep, um, I remember all that. Absolutely. And it was just like so much. And like, we had those long days and to MLW's credit, they, they gave us all bonuses for those days. And I remember the last day we had to, we had to do a squash match and pre-tapes and we were out of there by like one. I think Kevin and I went and ate at Buffalo Wild Wings and we were asleep by five. And then we were going, we were going to Disney, and we were going to Disney the next day, and that was like the big hook for us. It was like we had to go to Disney. <laughs> um, but then that happened, and then I get hurt, and I got brought in as a producer for the first set of shows I was hurt on. And then I didn't get brought in as a producer the second set, and then I got cleared. And then I messaged Court, and I said, "Hey, I'm cleared." And Kev- I know that Kevin and you had talked, and the hope was I'd be cleared. And Court was like, "Oh, this is awesome." And then. Hey, we've got nothing for you. And then, Hey, we've got nothing for you. And then Kevin and I had wanted to do some extra work for AEW because in our contracts that we had signed, we were kind of in one of the first sets of contracts where it was like, Hey, you can work for AEW if we approve it. So, you know, we reached out to MSL who was our contract guy. And we said, Hey, we'd like to work for AEW if we get the chance. And, you know, he was very worried about tampering. And I was like, no, I was like, they didn't ask us, you know, we have to reach out to them. And he's like, well, he goes, you know, we'd be more than willing to give you guys your release because, you know, you guys have been great for us and haven't complained about anything. And we don't want to hold you guys into your deals if need be. And I was like, okay. And Kevin and I, you know, we were like, sure. And then that was kind of where like the big effort started up was after that. So I have nothing bad to say about MLW. Um, I hope that, you know, they're successful in what they're doing now. Um, I know a lot of time heals all wounds. I know a lot of guys have gone back there. I don't know if that's something where Kevin and I would want to go back right now. I think we've had many discussions about how it's kind of not where we'd want to go. We to, to Kevin and I, we either want to be like the Danielson, Nigel, Samojo types or Danielson, Nigel types that are on the indies until they get signed. And then that's kind of ride or die or nothing. Like we did the MLW thing. Wasn't exactly what we'd hoped it would be. And I don't think we'd want to go back to do it again. I appreciate you being yeah. so candid about that thanks yeah uh, yeah and, and uh, kevin kind of told us a bit of the same as well so um, yeah and like i said it's, it's no yeah. hard feelings towards court or those guys like court's awesome court you know very amazing wrestling mind him and i would talk you know texas wrestling history together too because he did so much with gary hart so i i love wrestling history like it's a big thing of mine that i got to study obviously i was telling jeremy about my times on between the sheets so those you know marathon shows i listen to those you know when i'm driving so i love wrestling history and that court was awesome talking about that i mean i got to work with the von eric brothers i got to work with kevin multiple times so like i'm gonna go see this iron claw movie and like no one's gonna know that i know these guys so it's (laughs) very funny very true that's all that's actually really cool uh i want to i want to bring up ftr we we asked kevin about this uh the the big call out from beyond kevin said that like it was kind of it was almost happening. You guys have talked to FTR about it, and they yeah. they had meant, brought it up to Tony. Is there is there any progress on this FTR bout that so, a lot of I'm fans sure really want? So I'm sure Kevin said. So Kevin and I wrestled Finjuice, uh, Tampa Mania, when that weird bar that the IWTV venue all for action. That originally was always kind of penciled in. They wanted it to be FTR versus us. Um, 
FTR, we had an intermediary that was working with FTR and it was very close to happening. And then the rumor is, and I don't know how true or not this is, was that FTR went to Tony um, to try to get approval for the match. And Tony said, that's the night the pinnacle started. So that's why it kind of went down the, the way it went down on that one. Uh, from there, you know, Warrior had, had talked about making it happen. Actions talked about making it happen. Uh, you know, I know that Will from Prestige said, first and foremost, if those guys hit him up, he would make it happen too, because I know he has a, a vested interest in making that happen. I know he's worked with, you know, Sean Spears, who's very close with them as well. Um, there's not really, like, too much progress. Those guys are so busy right now with collision and obviously that they're a temple of collision. They're going to be a temple of collision. Um, so the hope would be that, you know, ring of honor and collision tape the same day. So if we were to end up in ring of honor, I'd hope that that would be a thing. Um, you know, obviously that's a match that, you know, a lot of people want to see including Dax himself, who stated when he talked with Sean about it. So I just think it's, it's all about, you know, when can it work? How can it work? You know, obviously travel logistics become a real nightmare for those guys working indies, uh, if they were to work in Indy, um, because, okay, well, can it happen on a Friday night? I know Tony's not cool with some guys working Friday nights. Clearly those guys are Saturday guys, but, okay, if they work Friday night, is it close to where Saturday's show is going to be? You know, can they get the early foot on Saturday to get in? You don't want to possibly, you know, have them work Friday and then their flights get canceled because we all know that right now flights are insane and they get canceled for no reason anymore. Um so things like that, or, okay, is it a Sunday? Can they get in on a Sunday? Can Do we have a show that's willing to run a very expensive, let's put it that way, a very expensive match mm-hmm. on a Sunday? Uh, you know, so it all just matters on, you know, time, place, and money sense. I think that, you know, if you talk to all parties involved, I think all parties involved want it. Um, I, you know, people talk to me about dream matches, and realistically, I think Kevin and I have, like, three, had, like, two or three real dream matches left, and one is happening on August 13th for Deadlock Pro Wrestling uh, with us versus the Machine Guns. And then the other one is that one. So we'll see. You know, maybe we'll have to go, to, you know, to TK's playground to make it happen if it can't happen, you know? I think every wrestling fan is is rooting for Violence is Forever against FTR. Yeah, when, when I'm going to manifest the win. Yes. Uh, you guys get signed to, to ROH, then... You can do the collision ROH taping, and whether it happens on an ROH show or whether FTR shows up at an ROH pay per view, whatever it might yeah. be, we'll make that happen. Oh, um, I mean, my, some of my favorite matches ever have, have happened at Final Battle. So there you go. Uh, I love something like that. Do you, do you mention Action was was talking about this potentially? Action Wrestling was talking about maybe. Yeah. The, so I, Action was like one of the first ones to like want to do it. I know that. You know, Matt Griffin has mm-hmm. a lot of intermediaries that kind of have some relationships with Dax and Cash. And, you know, I know I have seen literally the text messages between Dax Harwood and Matt Griffin. I was um, about to text Matt myself right now and be like, book this. <laughs> like, I mean, well, obviously time, I don't really want to, but. <laughs> the biggest thing, like I said, it's, 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 it's time and money thing for the most part. It's yeah. it's going to it's gonna take the right time. It's going to take the right money. And also it's going to take Tony being, you know, willing to, if it doesn't happen under his banner, it's going to be Tony being willing to let him, one of his top five most over acts take an outside booking, which For is sure. you know hard because when we talked with Dax in Nashville last year, you know, he had said getting any approval from Tony for them to do stuff outside of AEW has been really rough for them. Like they had to beg to work the rock and roll express is what he said, which makes sense. You know, obviously it's, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy match and you know, there's any variable numbers that can go wrong in that match, but 
you know, hopefully, you know, somebody can make it happen. Or like I said, we get signed and it happens. I wanted to ask about you. You've, you've brought him up a, a couple of times, uh, Chandler Biggins. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a show earlier this year. It was about a month ago at this point. It was, mm-hmm. it was a Raw show. Uh, Raw was in Cleveland. And at the end of the show, I don't know if you were there or not, but at the end of the show, uh, Kevin Owens, after the show was over and everything, John Thorne was sitting ringside. Kevin Owens had mentioned AIW and just how much Biggins had meant to him and his career and then how much AIW and John Thorne had, had done for him and everything. It was kind of a, a twofold uh, question here. One, can you, can you speak just a little bit more? about Chandler Biggins and two you've mentioned Kevin Owens a a handful of times and how much influence he's had in his career does he know how much influence he has had on your career so okay those are both good I'll start with Biggins then I'll (laughs) I'll 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 roll in scene second uh so we'll start with Biggins uh so this is a well-told story that I tell on podcasts as well Biggins when he first saw my email was so excited because my name was Dominic not because I was Italian but because he is a massive fast, was a massive fast and furious fan. It was so exciting to drive some kind of like souped up Honda Civic, and he was going to give me a streetcar racer gimmick. Uh, I drove up in the shittiest five speed VW Golf, <laughs> and, and his dreams were dashed. Uh, but then he saw my ears, and then he saw me moving the ring, and was like, Oh, this guy. Uh, so Biggins, big wrestling fan, so I'm a big wrestling fan, so we hit it off right away. Um, Biggins as a mentor to all the kids, man. Like we, it was actually Chandler's, you know, it was his birthday yesterday. And a lot of us talked about, you know, that. And it recently was the anniversary of his passing. And, you know, we kind of all just talk about all of our Biggins stories. And we all have such great experiences with, with, with Chandler, Chris. Um, I would take a lot of trips to Alpha One in Canada with Chris. And it was just me and him alone. And we just talk about wrestling and life. And I, I tell a lot of the kids too, like, there was a time like when I started the AW school was like right when my student loans started kicking in and student loans kick your ass when you're trying to pay them back and you're trying to become a wrestler and do all that. And he was always so gracious and so helpful with me when it came to, you know, paying on a certain time for school and things like that, uh, that I try to do the same thing for the kids. And it's just, you'll never find anybody that loved wrestling as much as that guy, man. Like he lived wrestling. And I, I remember me, him and Dr. Dan had a group chat together and we would always just kind of shoot the shit in it. And I remember when he got sick, like he told us in the group chat, like, Hey, I'm like, I'm sick. I'm going to the hospital. It's unserious. I'll be out in a couple of days. Kayfabe it. Don't tell anybody. And it kind of, it kind of went on from there. Um, but he was just so instrumental and in just like the start of like a lot of like the young AW kids careers. Um, and just, giving us the platform, giving us big matches, giving us just love. Because when you start as a student, not a lot of people love you. Uh, and, you know, Biggins was that guy. And sometimes if Thorne didn't, or what, like, didn't see something in you, Biggins would always try to find something in everybody. Um, and then he would be your biggest hype man to Thorne or your biggest hype man to Ethan Page to get you booked on Alpha One or your biggest hype man anywhere. Uh, you know, he was the guy that hyped up everybody. And, you know, I owe a lot of like my early success to, to him and obviously John as well. Um, and, you know, losing him when we lost him, it, it sucked. It sucked really bad. And, you know, I don't tell anybody this, but like it sucked for me because that was the second mentor in my combat sports career that I had lost because in jujitsu, the gentleman who owned my gym, his name was Steve Heineman. And he was, you know, a big proponent into me with weight loss, competing and everything. 
And in 20, so I started in 2009. In in 2012, he was diagnosed like a terrible form of liver cancer. We were told he had three months to live. He lived another two years. And I remember I had lost that tournament that day. And I got the call from my coach that he had passed away. So it was like a double whammy. So in jujitsu, I lost one of my biggest mentors. And then quickly in wrestling, I lost one of my biggest mentors. So it was like, it was a tough toll to take on me. Um, so it was a lot. But I, I, I take solace in the fact that I know that, you know, Chandler's looking down, watching every AIW show, watching every training session, laughing at the stuff he'd still be laughing at. Uh, definitely cannot believe how dumb some of the kids are at the school. Um, and I think he would be so proud into what we've kind of built into and what we're going to be building into here at AIW. I mean, we just ran this groom at the temple live, which is the old Masonic in Cleveland where ECW used to run shows uh, where ECW ran a big show. And, you know, we're about to run this big room again for jail at weekend. Uh, you know, I look at it, we've graduated 20 plus students since I took over the school and I think that he'd be their biggest fan. So I look at that um, and I'm happy that, you know, his memory lives on with the AIW. I'm happy his memory lives on with stuff like Kevin, you know, recognizing him and, you know, Ethan Page recognizing him, guys that, you know, had all the, had all that work. And realistically, the other thing too, and I, Thor and I tell people this, like Chandler was the biggest proponent of the women's division in AIW. And that's part of the reason why it's been so hard to get the women's division back up and going because, you know, besides the fact that I think that, you know, that signing boom kind of gutted a lot of the talent and gutted a lot of the mentors on the circuit, you know, John doesn't have the passion that Chandler had for, for women's wrestling and, you know, we're, we're getting back into it. And I think we're getting close to it. Uh, on to the Steen topic. So does Kevin Steen know how much he has meant to my career? He actually does. Uh, in 2019, I was going through a rough time in my life. Um, it was right before the very first Paradigm uh, Grand Prix, the very first UWFI one, which I, you know, had a great performance at. was probably Paradigm at the time, their best show. Um, but I was going through it in personal life stuff and work, I, you know, outside life stuff. And I left that Paradigm show that night to meet up with Kevin at the hotel because we were going to do the Work Horseman Ironman match the next day. And I got in my car and I opened Twitter and I had a DM. And it was from Kevin Steen. And uh, coincidentally enough, it was, hey, man, um, I recently came across an interview you did. And I think it was with WrestleZone right before the MLW pay-per-view. And he said where, you know, you cited me as your reason for wrestling. And, you know, you brought up, he goes, and, you know, I remember eating with you uh, with Biggins and, and Thorne after a house show in Canton. And he goes, you know, too often in wrestling, we hear about the bad. He goes, we hear about how bad we are, yada, yada, yada. He goes, so for me to read that and to see that I have inspired you to, to become what you've become is so impressive to me. And he said something along the lines of Biggins would be so proud of what you've become as a wrestler. And that meant the world to me. Uh and, you know, him and I exchanged some, some DMs and, and stuff. And I, you know, reiterated how important he's been on my career. Um, and then last year, I had had a really nice body transformation that I then kind of fell out of. But I'd had a body transformation where I lost like 20 pounds and it was because it was right after my injury. And I got really in really good shape. Um, and he had DM'd me right after that, too. And was like, hey, man, like, this is so impressive. This is awesome. And like, we, we just exchanged about how we hate working out. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> how, especially for him he hates it because we're both like 
as extroverted as I come across on the across on these types of things, I'm so introverted in normal social situations. I don't like to talk. I don't like to be talked to. So like when someone recognizes me at the gym or recognizes me in public, I get so just like embarrassed and I'm like shy about it. Um, like the other week's kid, some kid at the gym was like, are you Dominic Rooney from AIW? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I, like, one time I was chopping at like a Marshalls in Cleveland and like somebody pulled me aside and was like, Hey, are you excited for the show this Friday? I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, he, he, that was something that Steam was really into too. He's like, man, he goes, I just, I can't really work at a normal gym because people just pull me aside. So uh, yeah, I mean, he knows what, you know, how important he's been in my career and I will beat the drum of being the biggest Kevin Steen fan ever um, or one of the biggest Kevin Steen fans ever. I always jokingly tell the AIW students, hey guys, when I came here, I want to be Kevin Steen. It's clearly that was not what my trajectory was as a wrestler. So just remember, whatever you want to be, probably won't be that but still have your favorites <laughs> i can't talk that that's that's yeah that's that's great i don't know i mean the only other question i had for you really i mean jeremy if you have more feel free but the only, only other question i had for you dominate uh was i know you're a big mma fan i just want to know who your favorite ufc fighter currently is well my favorite ufc fighter is retired uh i'm a big robbie lawler guy that's oh yeah just oh. retired so, big robbie lawler guy as well man, no yeah. better no better way to go out than that in the sunset True, true story. I wanted my uh, my my entrance music in, in wrestling to be "Hold On, I'm Coming" because Robbie Lawler used to come out to that. Uh, once again, that was the whole John Thorne Dom battle about why how does fit me as a character. And I said okay, but I did use it a few times in action just because I could. Um, I really love Charles Oliveira the way yeah. he mixes uh, jujitsu along with striking, and you know, just love him. Um, big Stepe guy, of course, Cleveland guy. Trained with him before. Awesome guy. Um, Did he beat Sean Jones? No. No. Well, he made that. Just not a good fight. Bad stylistic matchup. Um, just just not not a good one. Uh, big uh, big Yuri Pekryak fan. Uh, you know, what he that fight against Glover, you know, I'm excited to see. It looks like he's kind of on the ready to come back. They're going to do – it looks like they're going to do him and Pajeta next for the 205 belt. So, um. And then, you know, also guy just fought this weekend, Justin Gaethje. Can't beat that guy. Just always action fighter. And you got to love that. So, I mean, I, I pretty much if I'm off on a weekend and there's a UFC card on, I try to watch it. I try to, you know, enjoy it. So, like, I watched the main event or the co-main and the main on Saturday when I got home from uh, the AIW show. So I try to follow, keep up. I don't keep up like I used to. Like for how I much keep the rest now that used to be, I kept up with MMA, but I don't do that as much now. Yeah, it gets tougher too. With like, I mean, there's like there's UFC card every, every weekend now. There's yeah, I mean, every weekend and you don't know who three fourths the guys are, but there's contender series yeah. people. And it's like, what are we like? They, they need get, to that's, that's, shows. Yeah, that's an argument that I get into with Thorn. Thorn and I talk about the Endeavor <laughs> WWE partnership, and I'm like, I think you don't understand, like. People think there's going to be these crazy WWE cuts because of like money, but like if you look at the way Endeavor has run the UFC, they have just added so many more shows. So I don't know whether they're going to shop on a streaming deal, but I think Endeavor is going to want to add more wrestling because it's a viable profile, especially with how hot the WWE is right now. It's a good yeah, point. For, a good point. for sure. I, I used to be very into uh, MMA, and now it's just like, okay, cool. If there's a couple guys that I know, mm-hmm. I will watch like Gaethje and Poirier this past weekend. I watched that, and the, yeah. and that was a great fight, great ending with uh, with Gaethje. But yeah, there's just so much, it's very tough to keep up with. It is yeah. no longer like, the days of one pay per view. 
course you, you know, yeah, of course. Hands on, uh, yeah, okay. on, on the ill-fated Joe Rogan podcast that is impossible to listen to anymore. Uh, <laughs> but I listened to Sandhagen and like just took his views of like life and training and a lot of it can be kind of pulled into wrestling too. So like I really like Sandhagen a lot. He's awesome, crazy action fighter. So he's fighting in Nashville like this weekend. Yeah, I know that Nurmagomedov Madoff pulled out. Did they find somebody for him? Rob Font. Yeah, good, good, good replacement. Ooh, that is good yeah, Rob Font. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably watch. Yeah, I'll probably watch that. I mean, have that collision and SummerSlam all going on at once. You know. Yeah, it's wild. Oh. And also this weekend is uh, Jake Paul and uh, Nate. Diaz. Oh, Nate Diaz, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Hey guys, don't don't overload the weekend or anything. <laughs> uh, Dominic, uh, my last one, the last one we we ask everybody, um, the coolest thing you have in your room. Oh gosh, oh man. Well, probably my living room as opposed to my bedroom because I don't keep anything cool in my bedroom. <laughs> um, I'm looking around now to think what I what I think is the coolest thing. Um, hmm. I'm looking at like all these like cool signed posters I've gotten through the opportunities to work AIW. I'm looking at like my sub tag title belt, my tag team of the year plaques. Um, I mean, these are all great things. Of uh, all can, things, yeah. I'm gonna say it's in my kitchen. It's on my refrigerator. It's a one dollar bill signed by one Hornswoggle, Dylan Postel. <laughs> the story is, it's a bet. It's a bet that I won. And this was December of 2021's AIW show. Um, I was not on the card. I just had a run in, but I produced the show. Um, I was I was on the headsets in the back with John. And we had Dylan as, as one of the competitors. And he looked at the card and said, oh, my God, it's going to take forever. I said, we'll be done in three hours. And he said, no fucking way. And I said, we'll get it done in three hours. I said, looking at the way we have it set up. And he goes, there's a Matt Justice and a Man's Warner match on this card? No way. <laughs> And I said, we'll get it done. And he said, what do you want to bet? And I said, yeah. And I was like, how much do you want to bet? And he goes, $1. He goes, because that's all Cena would ever bet. He goes, because it's one of those things that if you lose the bet, it's not a big deal. He goes, but if you win, you have that money. And then if you when you win or lose, you sign the dollar bill with the date and what the bet was. So I have that. It, it hangs on my refrigerator. I love There's that. There's the, the famous uh, – Cena and CM Punk bet where they bet a dollar and it's it signed. Um, I don't know the, the full yep. story. Behind yeah. It, and but... I think that's so Swaggle took that and that's how that, you know, we, we rock and roll based on that. Uh, I haven't done I any more that. with him since then, but he was, I think we got done like two forty six, and you could not believe we were, we were so precise. <laughs> and I think I remember being like on the, on the comms and being like, we got to get back from the quick guys. We got to get back from the quick. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love one the the just betting a dollar and signing it. That rules. And then the the story of yeah, wrap up, wrap this up in three hours. That's that's tremendous. Yeah, uh, because when I was out that whole the almost that year that that was that was my job. I was on comms and I was like producing matches, getting you know stuff to refs, things like that. And like that was like a big thing that helped me just in wrestling in general. Uh, John and I worked on timing shows. We I think now we're at like this point where AIW is like quite honestly immaculate when it comes to timing if we have an aiw show that starts at 7 30 and is done any later than 10 30 we are not happy uh you know we've made our decision like as a company as a lot of these other companies and this is where i'll get back to that streaming point like it's like we're gonna run as long as possible absolutely not our goal is eight matches four on the front half four on the back half 
a pre-show match that goes on at set between 7.05 and 7.10 that gets 10 minutes at Central Normal. Hey, here these three guys that drove in, they get, you know, four minutes, do whatever. We want to give, you know, meaningful pre-show matches, whether it be to our students, things like that. Um, and then you have eight matches, four on front, four on the back. The back end gets more time, etc. And, you know, I've had a lot of talks with like Josh, Josh Prohibition too about, you know, where we're putting stuff on cards versus like, because for a little bit there, like you had seven hardcore matches at a, on, on an eight match show. And we had to figure out how to not kill the crowd by the end. So it's been a, it's been a balancing act, but you know, learning how to produce has been one of like the crazy, like best things we've had. And I obviously, if you guys get a chance to watch any of the newer AW shows, the production we have with, you know, the video packages, the tales of the tape, all the stuff Chase Oliver is doing is, you know, setting us apart in my opinion. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, fantastic product. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and I am very thankful that you guys run a- around here so often. I'm able to to come out to, to a few shows. I need to get out to more. Um, but yes, I, it is nice to the Tadmore Shrine. Anytime you guys run the, the shrine, I try yeah, to we'll be out. there. We'll be back at the Tadmore on October 7th. There you go. That's uh that's right around my wedding anniversary. So that'll that'll be the wedding anniversary for me and the wife. We'll, we'll make it oh, on nice. the AIW show. Um Dominic, thank you again. Uh thank you so much for for doing this tonight. We really appreciate it. We we have now for the third straight week uh set the record for longest interview <laughs> that we have done. Uh within like five weeks here, we're gonna be at three hour interviews. Uh Dominic, thank you again for doing this. Let everybody know where they can find you at. Yeah, so uh at DGreenyBC on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, upcoming stuff, obviously, this coming Friday, um, August 4th, live on Fight Plus. Uh, first time ever matchup, Violence Severa versus Los Macizos, uh, former two-time GCW Tag Team Champions. Like I said, first time ever matchup. Really excited about that. Really excited to wrestle in Detroit at Harpo's. Harpo's is an awesome venue. Um, then you look at it next weekend. Um, we have DPW Beast Coast on Sunday. So if you're in the Durham, North Carolina area, Durham Armory, first time ever matchup again, us versus the Motor City Machine Guns. I believe on the podcast today, the boys said that that will be the main event of the show. Um, And then the week after that, Kevin and I will be at C4 for their annual Fighting Back fundraiser show. Uh, Crazy lineup already announced. Uh, They just announced yesterday, Josh Bishop versus Lance Hoyt, which I'm ungodly Ooh. excited for oh okay that's gonna be an awesome yeah. match I'm real excited i was talking to mark the promoter about how that came about i know our match is one of two matches and i'm very excited about either of those possibilities um august 26th we have wrestle rager for aiw in cleveland i don't know if we're gonna air that one live yet i know that wi-fi is always an issue but we'll see and then uh september 15th and 16th we have the jt lightning invitational tournament uh, this is no hyperbole, the biggest GT Lightning tournament in terms of talent we have ever booked. John and I, John just sent me the first round matches today. Insane. First two talent announcements came out today uh, or came out over the last week. We have uh, Magnum CK making his AIW return to action, which is awesome for anybody who knows that story. Uh, he was on the fast track to some kind of big title in the company, had an injury that he thought was going to bring retire, took a couple years off, and he's back now. And then we just announced the original psychosis. So uh, a little WCW flair. And believe me, we got a lot more talent, like 24 people in this tournament. And it is star studded. I can tell you that there are four must see matches minimum night one. And that's just off the top of my head. I myself think there's six out of the 12 matches are literally cannot miss matches. 
There you go. Thank you again, Dominic. Good luck this weekend in Detroit. I'd say have fun, but you're going to Detroit. Uh, so, you know, have, have as well, much that's fun. Where, that's where, uh, that's where you hit the old IVIF uh, slogan, have fun, be sad. Yes. <laughs> yes. Love it. Uh, thank you again. Thank you again for, for all your time tonight. Very generous. Uh, we really appreciate it. everybody. The links are below. You can follow Dominic. You can support him uh, using the links below in the description. Again, thank you for your time, Dominic. Go follow him. Go check him out. Go support him. Guys, we'll be right back here on the Spotlight. We are back. Big thank you to Dominic Carini. Very generous with his time. An hour and a half, everybody. An hour and a half. Longer than your favorite wrestling match ever. Unless it was like a two-hour match up there. I don't want to watch that. Thank you to Dominic Carini. Thank you to everybody for tuning in today. We really appreciate it. Thank you to Wrestle Rumble for sponsoring this episode. If you did not win your free entry into the Pick'em, go over there and sign up. Go over there and sign up for the, the Pick'em. Go over there and sign up for the title belt raffle. You got a shot to win $1,000 at the SummerSlam Pick'em or some mystery prizes. Who knows what the mystery prizes could be? It could be a boat. You never know what's in the mystery prize. It could definitely be a boat. Thank you to Wrestle Rumble for sponsoring this episode. They're always very generous to us on major event weekends. Guys, we'll be back next week. Next week, talking the fallout from SummerSlam. I assume more build to All In. Some happenings in uh, New Japan as the G1 Climax winds down. Some happenings on the independent scene. There's always something going on in the world of the independent professional wrestling. Thank you, as always, to everybody in the chat. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for the thumbs up, the likes, uh, the subscriptions, all that fun stuff. Don't follow me on Twitter. Follow Steven Jensen on Twitter at Fightalk underscore. Go to FightfulOverbooked.com. Go check out the stuff we're, we're doing over there. Uh, Coexisting is live tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern with Rob and Maggie. We have a new episode of New Japan Bread Club up. We have media from Heels Season 2 that is up. And what else is going on? Over there, Indeed. Indeed is live every Wednesday at 6, doing interviews with uh, professional, or interviews, yes, with professional wrestlers uh, from the independent scene. Go support Reg and Mike and all they're doing over there. And then In the Weeds, In the Weeds live Monday, Wednesday, Friday on Fightful Overbook from 10 a.m. Eastern to noon Eastern. We just interviewed Jordan Oliver, as I mentioned earlier. Jordan Oliver was on the show yesterday. Go check out that interview tentatively scheduled to have a Jake Crist on the show tomorrow. He's at Pro Wrestling Revolver tonight, wrestling Matt Cardona. That'll be a fun match. That's on uh, Fight Plus. Everyone can check that out on Fight Plus tonight. Pro Wrestling Revolver tentatively scheduled to join us tomorrow. Maybe some people will pop on who are in Detroit. We shall see. Enjoy the wrestling this weekend, everybody. Thank you again for the love, support. We appreciate it all. We'll be back next week. Talk to y'all then, everybody. Goodbye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.